2: Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 42. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, as the Pittsburgh Steelers get ready for their week eight game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Pittsburgh uh, and Jacksonville coming off of wins in week number seven should be a great game overall this Sunday, one o'clock at Acrisure Stadium. Dave, how you doing? We have a busy show today for a Friday, mainly have a lot to talk about.
1: Oh, absolutely. We do. Uh, exciting week, uh, a big test for the Steelers on Sunday with the Jaguars coming to town and obviously haven't had a lot of success with them uh, over, over over the years uh, uh, when that has happened, when they've come to Pittsburgh and all. But uh, this is definitely a winnable game and I uh, was excited to jump a little bit deeper into the tape uh, on them and excited for our guest today. I think everybody going to like uh, 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 the first timer that we have uh, when it comes to a beat writer as well, too. For opposing teams. So uh it's time to get after it.
2: For sure. That's going to be Demetrius Harvey. We'll talk to him a little bit later on in the show. He covers the Jaguars for the Florida Times Union and Jacksonville.com. So we'll plug him and speak with him in just a little bit. But uh, Dave, let's jump right on in. And the big news of the day on Thursday is the return of Cam Hayward to the Pittsburgh Steelers practice scene. He was uh, uh, designated to return off of injured reserve. Still remains on IR. The 21 day window it was opening up. He practiced on a limited basis per the team on Thursday, but good to see a number 97 jersey back out on the field.
1: Boy, that is a great sign. And I, you know, look, don't want to speak in absolutes. I will be absolutely shocked if uh, Cam Hayward uh, is is activated on Saturday uh, to play on Sunday. I don't. Suppose it's totally out of the question, but uh, uh, especially with him returning on, you know, had he returned on 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 Wednesday uh, and had the window open, maybe a little bit better chance that but just uh, sign it or ramping them up and then obviously the Steelers have a short week after this week with the Tennessee Titans game being next Thursday uh, will he make it uh, by then i you know I, I think it all depends on how he feels and how this ramp up uh, process goes but uh uh should have him back either for the titans game or uh, at the latest the uh, the game after that which i, I believe is the Packers game
2: Right. And so that's obviously great news there overall. Yeah, I'm with you. I think for this weekend for this Jags game is really going to be pushing it even by Kim Hayward. Standards were a little surprises you when it comes to to a guy like Kim and what he's capable of doing. He did speak with the media and made a mention that he was dealing with a a core muscle injury prior to that 49ers game and then tore the abductor, uh, you know, in the first half of that game and tried to go back into the into the game twice and obviously could not finish things out and required surgery. So. I don't know how interrelated those two things are, but Hayward did reveal there was an injury prior to that that may have impacted the actual injury that sent him on IR.
1: Yeah. And boy, you could tell. I remember back to that 49ers game, he, you could, you could tell uh, he uh, went, exactly when he did it and then he tried to come back in and he just couldn't run after that. So yeah, they uh, ran that
2: toss, right. And he's trying <laughs> yeah. and it just didn't go well.
1: Yeah. yeah. They, your body lets you know, uh, uh, when you can't do it. So, uh, look, uh, they need him back, uh, for sure. Uh, uh, run defense and then obviously pass rush. So, you know, uh, hopefully they get the, uh, 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 you know, repaired version of him, ready to go. And uh, I I have no doubt that he's trained properly and gone through the rehab and probably itching to get back as well too. So we'll see how it plays out. Once again, I'll be shocked if, uh, but you know, this team does have an open roster spot. You would think that that might be Anthony McFarlane on Saturday, but uh, we'll see how it goes. It just, it feels like This is going to be a little bit too quick of a turnaround Mm -hmm. uh, for him to play against the Jaguars on 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 Sunday, but uh, definitely I think uh, potentially next Thursday night could be on the table.
2: We'll keep you posted. Let's look at the rest of the Steelers Thursday injury report: two players not practicing, and wide receiver Deontay Johnson with a hamstring, defensive lineman Larry Okunjobi with a shoulder, three players limited: Joey Porter Jr. with a calf, Levi Wallace with a foot. He did not work on Wednesday and was limited. On Thursday, of course, Hayward with the groin limited, three and full. That's linebacker Cole Holcomb, running back Anthony McFarlane Jr. and Nate Herbig. Herbig missed Wednesday with an illness. Holcomb with the ankle injury suffered in that win over the Rams. He's been full uh, on Wednesday and Thursday, so definitely should be good to go. And McFarlane, you would think, would finally get activated uh, on Saturday for Sunday's game. Of course, the big name here, Deontay Johnson, missing with a hamstring injury some concern there considering what he was dealing with before you saw Friermuth get put on IR last week. We'll see. I mean, the alarm bells don't seem to be going off with Johnson the way that they were with Friermuth and, you know, Friermuth was a limited practice. He was practicing and then aggravated it. Johnson, this may have been more of a load management type of thing with him, but I think today's report will be pretty important for Deontay Johnson.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Have they changed the the criteria now? You, you, you it used to be when these guys had their windows open, the twenty-one day window guys from the IR, I don't believe they needed to be put on the injury report. But now it looks like those guys are being put on the injury report, but I don't think they have to be given uh statuses uh for for for, for game day. In other words, with 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 Cam Hayward, it'll be interesting to see uh if he gets any, any, any sort of a stat, you know, in other words, it, it might be an empty slot next to his status. I don't think they have to, I, the, the question is, 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 is I wonder if there's a rule now that those guys that when they have their window open, at least on the weekly daily participation level, whether or not they go for limited or, 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 you know, uh, do not practice.
2: Well, we're going to go down an early rabbit hole here, and I don't really have. I'm a little confused by by the wording of this, and so I don't want to uh, spread anything that's incorrect. But did you see a tweet from Howard Balzer yesterday? Yes, yes. Is about, this what you're uh,
1: Yeah, yeah. About the court. Yeah. Uh, uh. Uh, what's his name?
2: designation for players? Yeah, Murray. Murray. Tyler Murray. Right, right. Let me, Here's his tweet, and and I want to get your your interpretation of it. He says. Quote, I learned from an NFL source rules in 2023 for reserve players practicing allows teams to not have a practice designation Thursday. However, if they don't, there has to be one Friday. If not, player has to be activated and be active on Sunday. And he says a a story's coming. I never saw the actual story on that. When he says practice designation, does that mean full limited or does that mean the Friday questionable, doubtful out? What is what is the, the designation mean exactly?
1: Uh, read that again.
2: Howard's tweet. Yeah. It says, I learned from an NFL source rules in 2023 for reserve players practicing allows teams to not have practice designation Thursday. However, if they don't, there has to be one Friday. If not, player has to be activated and be active on Sunday. So when he says practice designation, does he mean? I think that means daily? a full or limited or a do okay. not practice there. Not not the Friday game status okay so that's why you're seeing you know mcfarland and hayward and johnson last week have day by day i thought that was
1: i thought that was something i did see that i i i i saw the tweet from bowser but i didn't i didn't go down you know i I didn't follow up on or anything like that but uh uh Okay, that 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 would what they're I guess what the what the goal is here is to at least have a some sort of a competitive balance there mm-hmm. where a team sees that a potentially uh, a guy that has their twenty one day window open uh, could be activated on Saturday or or, or however you know. Whenever the game is, obviously it would be uh, Saturday for a Sunday game or whatnot. So it sounds like that's a competitive balance thing. That at least by the final on on a normal week, if the game's on Sunday, uh, uh, another team needs to know did a guy with his 21 day window was he limited, was he full, was he did did not practice at least so they you know, have an opportunity to prepare mm-hmm. for this is the way I interpret it. Now, does it doesn't say okay. we'll find out today what happened last week with McFarland. Was he was he even given a game step? Stat- I, I think he was even full, though. So right. Uh, he, he so was, he, he wouldn't have had a game status if, if he was questionable. So I guess it'll be interesting to see if Hayward today gets a out questionable or doubtful.
2: Well, I I don't think he will because Deontay Nor McFarland received game statuses. They just had blanks there. They were they were both full, and so they were you know listed on the on the day of their level of participation. But none of them were actually given statuses for questionable or doubtful oh. or out or anything like that. So I, it does not sound like you actually have to give a status. Okay, but you have to give the daily report of participation for transparency. And if you don't by friday then that guy actually has to play and that's going to be how the nfl knows if a guy's going to go or not so that's my understanding at least
1: all right so this is new for 2023 then
2: evidently so Uh,
1: because because normally they don't put those uh uh those those returning to pre, you know those 21 mm-hmm. day window guys uh on 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 the injury report daily there so right all right uh we worked shop that one out i'm sure yeah. the listeners really enjoyed <laughs> that
2: you guys all turn to subsection c of your cba <laughs> so we can uh put you to sleep uh dave let's talk about something that's given uh, some more attention here and to me this is been kind of interesting. I, I thought the Rams game last week, not that there was much pregame chatter, but it was like a chippy game. It was a lot of like trash talk. Like, you don't think Steelers Rams like a Steelers Ravens game, like a lot of like trash talk and, and chippiness. Kind of a lot of pre pregame chatter this week between the Jaguars and Steelers, where you got Trevor Lawrence with the terrible towel comments and George Pickens talking about the Jaguars' hope secondary and Ray Jenkins, the Jag safety, talking about, you know, that Pickens hasn't seen their corners yet. What do you make of all this? Is this all just much ado about nothing? Trying to find a story, or is there some some teeth to to these uh, these headlines?
1: Yeah, I think uh, of all of them, I, I think uh, the one by Trevor Lawrence with the uh, little yellow towel. Uh, yeah, I think it's easy to read too much into that. And I wonder if Bill Cower reads Steelers Depot because he talked about it on uh, <laughs> uh uh on whose show was he on? Oh McAfee, uh mm-hmm. yesterday and all like that. And uh reminder that Bill Cower, that icons uh uh episode on him is that a, I forget what channel that's uh uh max or anyway uh that's going to air saturday night somewhere evidently the bill bill Cower icon uh episode so uh that's something to look forward to mm-hmm. this weekend but uh uh george pickens comment seemed a lot more <laughs> oh yeah uh, notable than uh than, than than trevor lawrence's is look uh lawrence just said was asked about you know, uh, first time to Pittsburgh playing, playing them in Pittsburgh and, 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 and asked about if he knows the history of, of the terrible towel and and the way he phrased it. Yeah. The little yellow towel they wave around makes it sound more demeaning than, than, than what it is, you know? But, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we wrote about, I thought Josh Carney wrote about it, uh, uh, tastefully and all, and, and, and didn't, didn't write about it as it being derogatory,
2: Right. To me, it wasn't. To me, Lawrence was not trying to disparage the terrible towel one bit. He was just trying, he was asking, you know, do you know the terrible towels? And he's just trying to describe what they are to the reporter right. to say, yes, I'm aware of, of what they are. So I, I don't want anyone to think that Lawrence was trying to put down the terrible towel or, or, or I think Cowher misinterpreted how that actually went. Now, I think Pickens is taking a shot back because you saw Jenkins, uh, Rashawn Jenkins, is starting safety, say respectfully, you know, Pickens has not seen our corners yet. And basically, our goal is you know, those guys can minimize. Top wide receivers. So I'm I'm betting that came across Pickens uh social media at some point and he's responding back about you know the Jaguars have a great front, they get pressure and they kinda play a hope defense and the secondary hopes that the pass rush gets home. So that's that's certainly more of a shot than anything Lawrence had to say.
1: Well, this is it's nothing like a shot like the Jaguars a couple of years ago when they when the mascot had to sign it says terrible Talents have Ebola on
2: it <laughs> <laughs> it's been a wild couple of years, Dave,
1: uh, something like that. Uh, and, and all. uh, look, uh, when it comes to George Pickens though, it's, it, it's not trash talk if you back it up. Right. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, go out there and, uh, throw up another, you know, hundred hundred hundred, yard receiving game against, uh, uh, against this defense. But, uh, obviously it's, it's, Hey, yeah, it's more, it's probably more manufactured by, uh, by media and, and bloggers like us and all, uh, so far. But, uh, uh, there, there probably will be a little bit more jawing, uh, during that game, uh, on Sunday.
2: Hopefully not too much with Pickens, though, because you have the right. whole sub story of what happened against the Rams last week, the taunting penalties. and Ben talks about it. So, you, you know, the jet. What's going to happen for this game and for all the others is that you know defenses are going to try to get under Pickens' skin. Corners are going to go after him. They're going to jaw with him. They're going to talk with him because you see it on tape. He gets called for taunting, and that became a pretty big story. They're aware of those kinds of things. Pickens talking after the game, the guys trying to antagonize me, and he says it didn't work, but it kind of worked. So it's, it's going to happen in this game. He's might see his old teammate Tyson Campbell from Georgia. We'll see how that goes. So there's there's a bunch of little mini many plot lines in this game, Dave.
1: Yeah, there are.
2: All right, let's get off of that, though, overall, and get to the coordinators. That was Terrell Austin, Matt Canada speaking to the media on Thursday. Uh, Let's start with Matt Canada. I don't think there was really anything crazy he had to say overall, but any impressions from his uh, media interview on Thursday, Dave?
1: Yeah, uh, let me pull it up real quick here, the transcript on it. Let's see. talked about fourth quarter. Do you uh, have, uh, Do you think you found something in the fourth quarter with the balance in terms of the run of pass? He says we just started to have some efficiency. We started executing uh, at the level we kind of wanted to. Started to see that. It was really good for them. Uh, you saw how they fed each other. Nothing really major there. Uh, the scripting of the plays, he was asked about uh, how much of uh, that is Hope of finding the best dozen 10 to 15 plays to start the game. How much of that is probably uh, uh, exhibition to try to figure out what you can learn about opposing defenses. He says, obviously we're trying to score every pos- possession. It's always about trying to find the best plays. There is some probing to use your word, uh, how they're going to play certain look uh, personnel group, but we're always trying to score. We're trying to move the ball and we must have, uh, must have to continue to find ways to be better early in the game uh look I, I I don't think there's really any any big secret there you obviously are betting what you think that uh, and and they've all talked about this, you know, they, what 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 Kenny likes to do uh, down distance circ- circumstances obviously plays into this. Uh, I think you are hedging of when you come out in a certain personnel group that you'll probably see this look on the other side. So it's all it 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 it's all designed. Probably based on what your scouting ha- has done, and then also on the flip side, it is it, it is a probing aspect of it. All right, well, we're going to come out in this, and we expect to see this, especially at this portion of the field. I I I, I don't think this is rocket science here, and, mm-hmm. and I and I do believe that they, they 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 you know that I mean, look, we we saw the shot play early in the game. Uh, in this game against the Rams I uh if they if they execute that down the right sideline and 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 pick it uh drops that in the bucket to pickens you know you've, you've got an explosive play and, and you got the offense moving there I, I think it just comes down to they they've got to play faster and they've got to start uh executing a little bit better earlier uh in games and especially with with in in the run game aspect there so I, I mean, it's easy to talk about this when it's not going well, and Lord knows it hasn't uh, early early in games. Uh, They just need to execute and start moving the football better early in games.
2: They do. It's undeniably true. The frustration is, and we've had this conversation before, it's not just the Rams game. It's not just the last two games. It's not just the 2023 season. It's been multiple seasons of not just not fast starts, but just objectively slow starts, just being one of the slowest starting teams in football. And there's a reason why they're constantly playing catch-up and having to turn it on in the fourth quarter because they play from behind and they have to climb their way back into games. And that just becomes a recurring theme of this team, of their seasons, and it becomes a little frustrating. So there really isn't much more to say. The only thing I would offer is, I'm just curious, you know, when you have those negative plays, do you go off a script? And I think Kenny Pickett, when he spoke with the media on Wednesday, said, I think we kind of make more out of scripts than than they should be because sometimes you go off a script based on you know whatever happens in a in a certain drive you get backed up you probably aren't following your script to a t anymore so regardless you know the past starts have to continue but there really isn't anything else to say because we we know they have to be better early in games and there's really not anything else to, to speak about until it does improve
1: right exactly
2: he did talk about, and again, this has kind of been a, a talking point uh, a couple times this week about the tight ends' lack of involvement, and essentially said those guys will get their will get their touches, their 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 chances at some point. Just has not happened yet. So will it happen this week? You know, I think the Jags have some decent linebackers, some decent coverage guys. So we'll see. Of course, still no Pat Frymuth, but Canada like Tomlin, not concerned about the lack of tight end production.
1: Uh, also asked, and we've talked a lot about the tight ends and all like that. It'd just be interesting to see with Pat Firemuth how, how they can get those guys involved. I really would like to see them kind of leak out, uh, uh, Washington, uh, time or two, maybe get, you know, get, get, get the ball out in his hands real quick, just a couple a, a yard or even at the line of scrimmage or whatnot, and see what he can do with the ball in his hands, a bigger body running downfield, give, give, give those defensive backs something else to kind of think about big guy to try to tackle there. But uh, uh, I, I'm not expecting like eight targets for the tight ends this 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 mm-hmm. weekend.
2: Yeah. Can it be some situational stuff, you know, first and 10 boot, third and short, you know, play action, red zone opportunities that might be their MO to get the football really more situationally as opposed to, you know, open field, second and seven type of stuff.
1: And look, you know, you talk about somebody good with the football in, in, in their hands out in space, Connor Hamer's proven to be that guy. Too, mm-hmm. you know. Uh right. uh can you do a few things, you know, similar to what I just talked about with Washington where you leak Connor Hayward out uh, in a situation, you know, obviously they did that uh, last week with the wine back situation with him, a uh, great play call for the situation and, uh, almost scored in that situation there. So a little bit more of that. I, 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 I think that will give the Jaguars something else to think about. And, and he's good with the football so far. It's not like he's got a lot of catches in the NFL, but he seemed to, uh, uh be able to get yards after the catch when, when given the opportunity.
2: Not to preview the Jags game too much, but you're just thinking about Hayward from a blocking standpoint. It's always a challenge given his lack of size relative to the average typical size of of tight ends. But now you're talking about blocking Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, two big, strong, athletic, first round pedigree type of dudes. How do you do that? I think I think Pittsburgh has to find some ways to uh, split out these tight ends more and not have them be core to the formation. So these guys are standing up. That might make the Jaguars to walk some people out or you know, maybe create some RPO situations. I'm not really sure, but there's got to be a, maybe a better way to try to minimize the lack of size that Hayward has. I don't know if they really quite found that well enough against the Rams. I think there were some issues. They tried to do a couple different things with a, widening the split of Hayward. But I think it's going to be a challenge in this one because you can't really have those guys block the way that you could. a Not that he's a good blocker, but right. there's some size there. Um, And then Washington obviously can block, but but it's been inconsistent this year for him.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Mm, you know, can you do some things with? Uh, Rodney Williams is a high effort guy, uh, uh for sure. But mm-hmm. uh, e- even when he's on the field, in, in, in yeah, you know, I don't expect him to get a lot of, lot of snaps. But uh, maybe widen, widen him out a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, he played some. He played what twelve snaps against the Rams. I mean, he may see a similar number. Um, and, and so some of it's you know run game stuff, but even pass game stuff. I thought you know, not having tight ends to really be able to block and pass pro last week. Connor Haywood played a lot on a lot of passing downs. And so they they really kind of messed with Pittsburgh's protections. They were doing full slides against their five down looks. And you saw running backs on, you know, outside linebackers and tackles. It was kind of a unique game plan they just tried to to work through. So, um, you know, Jacksonville can can play that kind of heavier front as well with some pretty athletic people up front. So we'll see how it looks overall. But Pittsburgh just has to try to work around those challenges.
1: Uh, let's see. He was asked about, uh, do you worry about like if, uh, Darnell Washington is in the game and he is never targeted and he's blocking a lot. Defense is going to say, oh, well, this is a run. He says, yeah, that, that would be the case. I mean, I think it's, I think we're not. It's more not targeted versus the run versus the pass. I guess certainly that's real, right? He says, "I I would have liked to actually heard the audio of this, but uh, we never got that yet. Just a transcript. Obviously, that's a real thing. The ball will find him at some point. I think there's some opportunities there, but we're aware of that. That plays right into my hand of what I want them to do uh, with Washington. It's not you don't have to necessarily use your tight end down the field, so to speak, but you can uh, line him up and, and, and kind of block and release and misdirection and get the ball out in his hands that way. So I want full credit if they do that a couple <laughs> of times uh, in this game, because I think that's something that maybe the Jaguars won't be necessarily uh, looking for. And it's something that Washington did do when he was in college.
2: And hopefully with more offensive success overall means more red zone opportunities, which means more chances for the tight ends to get involved. That's where a guy like Washington, obviously just given his size and frame, can really do some damage. And so I think just, you know, Pittsburgh can have the red zone success and trips that they had against the Rams on a similar level, then you're going to see the tight ends finally get the football. Right. All right, flipping over to D.C. Terrell Austin. And again, nothing, you know, standing out in, in a huge way there. to uh, talk about T.J. Watt playing three snaps over at right outside linebacker? And he says, quote, I think we wanted to try to move TJ because, as you guys know, he gets chipped, double teamed, all kinds of things every play. It's easy if everybody knows where you are all the time. Uh, goes on to say it was a little bit of us trying to move him around, get him in an advantageous position. Does this continue? Do you think it's a useful... Thought a good move by Pittsburgh. What are your thoughts on flipping TJ Watt?
1: Well, Hey, and I think uh, Watt has said in so many words that you're going to see some, some more of that too. I guess the question becomes how, how much and, 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 Uh, obviously TJ, if, if he has his druthers would rather play on the left side, but if you can get a tasty one-on-one matchup or, or, or not have three bodies on you on one play, why wouldn't you want to want to go that route? I think we will see it in this Jaguars game. Look, their tackles aren't great uh even though i you know and and and, and people were hearing a little bit of us uh talk uh uh with demetrius harvey about uh, their their rookie anton harrison at, at at right tackle there and how he's played so far this season uh wherever tj goes though if it you know if 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 the jaguars can help it they're going to get help on on whatever side uh that is so uh might it be more than the three or four snaps that we saw uh, uh against the rams it, it's it's possible, but uh, it's not like they, they're not going to know where he's lined up on the field.
2: Yeah, I think the time you do that is if they're in, you know, when the tight ends to that side, which he often is because that's kind of the, the traditional strong side. But can you flip that guy over? Can you flip TJ Watt over if you see kind of the extra attention being given or maybe there's some sort of alignment where it's pretty clear on a third down, they're trying to to take Watt away, which, you know, again, every team has done for the last three seasons. Plus it's not anything new that, that offenses are doing. So yeah, I think you'll probably see it some, you know, how useful is it? I mean, you know, I, I, I get it, but I just go back to the point that I made Wednesday that, you know, despite all the attention he's seen for all these seasons, he's still been TJ Watt and still been one of the most dominant defensive players in football. So um, my standpoint was it really wasn't broken. So Not a whole lot of effort needs to be required to try to to fix what is not broken.
1: You know, moving forward and look, uh, uh, TJ Watt obviously accomplished a pass rusher at this point. Uh, uh, Highsmith has come into his own maybe. And I don't know how much time they can actually dedicate this now that the season's underway. But uh, let's say moving forward past uh, this year, those two probably need to spend more time focusing on the opposite sides. You know, so you can get into situations where, all right, Hey, let's just flip, you know,
2: mm-hmm. uh, That's a good point.
1: And, uh, and all, now look, if you go back to his rookie season with TJ Watt, uh, 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 because James Harrison, uh, uh, you know, pr- uh, we did see TJ Watt play on the right side during his rookie season.
2: And that was his primary position. Right. Right.
1: right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, He's done it before. It's just he prefers to have the quarterback's face, uh, you know, looking at the quarterback's face most of the time, and, and obviously has become more of an accomplished pass rusher on the left side there. So maybe that's something those two can. And once again, I, I it'd be a good question to ask both those guys: Is that something you can really work on in season, or is it so, something that 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 you know really needs to be worked out? during practices or training camp or or something like that to become a little bit more accomplished on the opposite side.
2: Well, I think for TJ spoken about, he also can do some rushes from his normal left side that he can't do on the right side. I think he's more comfortable with, I'm not sure what it is, his swipes or maybe his swims about, you know, what hand he's just stronger with overall. So I think the other benefit, I think honestly the biggest benefit is just you kind of force the offense to work a bit harder. Especially when they're on the road, with Jacksonville is, you have to communicate. Maybe you're shifting your protection or trying to motion somebody over. Maybe the snap comes off a bit later. Maybe they don't have time to run, some other motion. Just another layer in offense has to do with the line to to think about that type of stuff, especially on the road when it's a loud environment. You're just kind of stressing that. So frankly, that's probably the biggest advantage. It's not necessarily getting TJ loose because, again, the teams are not going to just be like, oh, TJ's on the other side, so I guess we're going to get him 1v1 and not not worry about it. Um, I think it's going to be just kind of stressing some of the the communication from the offensive perspective. But we'll see. The Jacks have a pretty good left tackle. I think Cam Robinson is solid, and, and so I think they probably... The Steelers would like to have T.J. Watt against that rookie as much as possible.
1: And look, uh, you know, it's not out of the question in certain uh, down distance uh, situations. You know, uh, can, can you do something where you put three line, but three outside linebackers on the field and maybe have T.J. Watt uh, float around in the middle there?
2: Yeah, they've done that before. They did that in 2020 with Highsmith and Bud and, and Watt. They did that in 21 with Ingram and um, and TJ and Highsmith. So haven't seen that this year because the inside linebacker play, I think, overall has been stronger and Holcomb should play this week. So I'm not sure if we'll see it, but it's always, I think, an option for this team because you got, you got good depth this year and, and that's really important.
1: I mean, obviously, you're more likely to see that in long distance situations, right?
2: I think Pittsburgh used it more in shorter uh, yardage. They? I don't know. I don't, I'd have to go check the charting on that. It's kind of been on some of their over front type of stuff. So um, I'd have to look at the charting, but I don't know if that was necessarily a really third and long type type of thing. Because usually, you know, and long, you're in your dime package, and so you're kind of you know get some right. fewer linebackers out there. So I think it's something that can be used in in different situations.
1: All right. Uh, what else uh, about Joey Porter?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Austin at this point, what more can he say about Joey mm-hmm. Porter? He just gets asked every week and Porter or Austin just kind of says, yeah, he's playing while he's progressing and you know, not committing to anything. But I, I think we all know the score at this point. Porter's playing a lot. That toothpaste not going back in the tube. He's going to be, you know, not maybe not the technical starter, not the every down 100% snap player, but he's going to work in all nickel situations, essentially, uh, obviously all dime situations. And so um, he's going to be, you know, a 75 ish percent type of player the question is the domino effect you see patrick peterson more on the right side i would expect to see that he's going to play in the slot more as well um i think what you saw against the rams will basically be their blueprint going forward
1: now the jaguars play a lot of 11 personnel but they don't probably play it or or they don't play it uh use it as much as the rams did so uh, are we going to come out of this game with with porter uh technically playing a lower percentage of snaps than, than 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 he played against the Rams
2: that's a good question because yeah the Rams were essentially they're just an 11 personnel team that's all that they they use uh, in the few snaps of uh, when Pittsburgh was in their base let me look at my charting and see if Porter got any uh, work in Pittsburgh's base three four just give me one second again there were only a couple of snaps where they were in their true base three four. And it looks like Porter. He did not start uh, the game in their base, but he did play the last. Looks like nine snaps in the in Pittsburgh's okay. base three four. So, um, you know, we'll see on that overall, and kind of see where Levi Wallace is at with that foot as well. But actually, you know, I, I again, it, it's going to ebb and flow a little bit. And as you said, Jacksonville can can go heavier than than the Rams, but their offense is pretty similar, I think, in terms of skill and, and kind of schematic construction. So. I'm anticipating a similar number this week.
1: All right. Uh, let's see. He was asked about Nick Herbig supposed to rush when he got his sack against the Rams. And uh, Austin said, we'll say yes. How is that? And then laughter. Did you notice anything specifically on that play?
2: That's interesting. I think Herbig made a comment about, what did he say? Didn't Herbig say something that was kind of different about that, f- that snap?
1: S- something I I know he said something about the fans and all, but
2: yeah, I'll have to check. Uh, let me let me try to pull it up here. I mean, because somebody asked, should, was TJ supposed to draw on that inter- like on the interception? And yes, he was supposed to drop. Yeah. It was pretty clear he was he was in coverage to start the snap. It wasn't a someone tried to say it was a James Harrison Super Bowl situation. Um, were they blitzing or something? Uh, Herbig uh, on that I've, sack.
1: I forgot to go back last night. Just reading the transcript, I, I I had it noted to go- to do last night, and I I'm I'm easily distracted. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to go back and look play? look at it.
2: Uh, they did actually blitz Quan on that play, according to my charting. I don't know if that was a green dog. They rushed five, so I'll have to go back and check that one. I guess with I, the way Austin says it, maybe 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 he wasn't supposed to.
1: Yeah, but but I'll tell you this: that 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 tackle got out of the stance slow, and it was in. You know, uh, uh, Herbig's got such a good get off that that was an easy win.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you take it. uh, If if he wasn't supposed to, you're happy that he did because it worked out for the Steelers defense. I'm looking at this play actually; just happened to pull it up here. Um, Let's see if he was supposed to or not. Looks like the defense is making a check.
1: You got that sixth sense of being able to go
2: right to the play, (laughs) right? At this point, (laughs) you click through it so much, you just kind of find it. Uh, I don't know. The whole play is pretty weird, Dave. Just watching the Rams' offensive line, just kind of, I don't know. it's a, a weird-looking play all around. So I'd have to go back and, and check it. But Pittsburgh's making a call here late, and I don't know if Herbig ever got that message. But it, this one's kind of a really broken play. It looks like for both sides. Okay. Uh, also Austin talking about James Pierre, a chance for him to play. We'll see with Levi Wallace with that foot. Um, Austin admitting that Pierre struggled in the past, but you know he's you know, done a done a good job recently. So. You know, one last chance maybe for James Pierre to try to make something out of his career to be more than just a special teamer.
1: Yeah, we'll see. And and definitely you don't want to get in a situation where you're having to play him a lot of snaps. You other the things with him is is the whole eyes thing, right?
2: Yeah, I think it's just consistency, football IQ, above the neck type stuff to me. He's a talented guy. He's big. He's physical. I think he's athletic overall. It's just trying to find that consistency and really play with your technique. I think he's uh, been a frustrating guy overall that just has never really been able to play to, I think, his, his ceiling.
1: What does Keanu Benton have to do to get more reps? Terrell Austin says, I think he's getting plenty of reps. I think he's playing kind of how we do. I know Cam is is an anomaly in terms of playing so many plays when he was out there, but we would like to keep those guys in terms of rotation fairly equal so they're fresh. All that said, it feels like uh, they they could get Keanu on the field a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, I I know he's versatile and and a quality pass rusher, but he's been a bit more of a base guy than a sub package guy. So when you play against the Rams, who are going to keep you in your sub package, you know, 90% of the time, um, you know, you're going to probably have fewer snaps. So I I thought Austin made a good point though. We are kind of spoiled. We we get used to Cam Hayward and two, and those guys playing 75, 80, you know, plus percent of the snaps. And and that's not normal. Most guys, most defensive linemen, most of those big guys don't do that. So you can't expect, you know, Benton, especially a rookie to come in and kind of play that kind of, kind of snap. So you know, I think there's always a chance to play Benton a bit more. I think maybe he should get some more looks in, in, in nickel and dime packages, kind of, you know, not be just this rotational, uh, purely rotational type of guy. But overall, you know, Benton's playing, he's playing well, he's, he's staying fresh, and so I'm okay with it.
1: All right, what else from, uh, anything else from Austin stick out to you here?
2: Yeah, just one quick co- comment on Darius Rush and uh, new acquisition, mm-hmm. the cornerback. We don't expect to see this this week in this game and be dressed and probably won't be active for, for a while there, but talked about, you know, he's, he's long, big athletic, you know, fast type of corner. And Austin said you need you need a bunch of young corners in the hopper. You never know what's gonna happen with injury. And he didn't he didn't say this part, but I'm just thinking about this. Levi Wallace a free agent after this year. James Pierre a free agent after this year. Patrick Peterson's status a bit uncertain right now going into the future. Uh Corey Trice injured and you know won't get back until the spring, the summer. So you know, could Rush be an impact guy for next year? You know, he's on his third team as a rookie. That's not a great sign, but I was a fan of him coming out. So, you know, I think there's some, some potential and, and worth a look.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it feels like a not now situation, though.
2: Yeah, he's a, not a less injury. Right. Not going to be ready right now. That's for sure. But there's some special teams value, too. So I think, you know, if he did have to dress, he's not going to hopefully play a defensive snap. But can he be a gunner for a, a little bit? I think he can do that. He did that. Did that at South Carolina, even in the senior season. So that's a guy that can maybe make an impact on teams as opposed to an actual true cornerback
1: is Minka Fitzpatrick doing a lot more dirty work as opposed to ball searching. Yeah, he has been <laughs> that, that The honest it. truth. That's what it's been follow up. Is he okay with that? And How is he doing? He says, yeah, Minka's okay because all he cares about is, is if we're winning, all the guys want to play, but he cares uh, that we're winning. And that's the most important. Here's the good. And, 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 we're going to segue here in just a moment to our interview with, uh, Demetrius, uh, Harvey here, but, uh, Man, the Jags love to attack the edge, man, and they're not such a a, a great team running between the tackles uh, overall. And the Steelers have had a lot of issues with 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 runs between the tackles so far this season. Uh, hopefully, ma- maybe this is a game where 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 Minka has to do a little bit less dirty work, other than maybe helping out o- over on the edges.
2: You hope so, but we said that, you know, a lot of times at the Rams game, he wouldn't have to be as involved against the run. I think whenever you're an 11 personnel personality, the way that the Rams are, the way that the Jaguars, generally speaking, are, I think Pittsburgh's run defense suffers. I like, as I said, I think on Wednesday's show, they want to play in their base. They want to kind of compact things and, you know, have their nose tackle out there and really uh, get into that kind of scrappy physical fight up front. And that's how they win when they're a nickel and they have less people to, to, you know, fit the run. I think issue's, tend to pop up, so I'm not sure. I Mink has had to make a bunch of tackles in basically every game this year. I don't know if this weekend will be an exception. All right. All right, before we get into Demetrius, I just have to address, talk about this here. Uh, I know the NFL trade deadline's coming up. Can we just kind of have a blanket statement? We don't know what's going to happen with Pittsburgh or the NFL, but there's been so many rumors, and I have big, massive air quotes about this, about Pittsburgh, and, like, they're not trading for... (laughs) I wish they were trading for all the guys. Derek Henry and Justin Simmons and... DeAndre Hopkins, like we got to all tone it down here a little bit. You know, we, Dave and I will talk about trade stuff. Occasionally, we did a little bit on Wednesday show, some cornerback stuff and not ruling out the possibility of them making some sort of move. But like the NFL loses its mind this time of year, we're trying to dock connect and always stand more getting traded. Like, let's all turn the dial down. A couple of notches uh,
1: look I and I have learned over the years not to say unequivocally no this is not going to happen especially now you got a GM that that, that that that's uh like Omar that seems to be a little bit more aggressive I'm sure the phone is getting picked up and 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 calls are getting answered and maybe a call or two are, 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 are getting uh made but some of this stuff is just out there mm-hmm. I mean uh look and we talked we we if if Alex and I truly thought that there was a player or two or a position that this team might go after. We would have no problem speculating uh, on that kind of stuff, but we're not going to write about or talk about, uh, and once again, if it happens, we'll come back and say, "My God, I didn't see that one
2: coming." Right. And you we'll know? have lots to talk about if these things happen.
1: Right, right. You know, uh, uh, Hopkins and and Henry and <laughs> who uh, thinks
2: they're trading for Derrick Henry? Like, uh, what does that even make? me? Uh,
1: Simmons and and look, I understand the the the, the Patrick Sertain. I mean, who would want a, a a young Patrick Sertain, mm-hmm. uh, uh coming into the fold and all? But there's going to be a, 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 assuming he is on the market. Market. There's going to be a lot of teams that would like to have a Patrick Sertain. And what is a team going to have to give up to get a guy uh, uh, like that as well, too? Now, you're more more what we learned from the the whole Mika Fitzpatrick thing is, is all right. If it's a young player, high pedigree, uh, that's got a couple of years left on his rookie deal. That's not expensive right now. uh yeah, you, you could visualize at this point, uh, maybe a first or second round pick being Dell. But let me tell you, the Broncos would be out of their ever loving mind mm-hmm. if, if they let him go for less than uh, 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 a a first round draft pick. But but even a package on top of that, mm-hmm. uh, because he is so big, be- because of all all those a lot of reason why Minka minka got jettisoned I think was he wasn't very happy in that system at, 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 you know at, at, at the time how it was being used uh there there were, there were a lot of fact they were trying to rebuild and all like that and you know I suppose you could say the same thing about about certain and all but uh and as good as minka's been there's more value to a a, a young pedigree in my opinion a young pedigree corner than there is a safety.
2: And, and to our knowledge, Sertan has not asked for a trade, correct? Right. Minka actively asked for a trade. That's why Miami Delta Minka said, I want out, trade me.
1: Right, right. So, uh, look, could something happen here in this next, you know, by, by the trade deadline and, and the Steelers pick up somebody? Yes. If they do, though, I have a feeling that it's going to be, you know, maybe deflating to, to, to the fan base overall. So man, i really wanted something sexier than that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of thing. I just, and, and we've stated, I, you know, I, I don't think any going to ha- anything's going to happen with the Steelers, but if, if it does, I don't think it's going to be damn near anywhere sexy as what, right. what people are writing about and, uh, uh, linking the dots to, and and maybe I'm wrong. You know, like, like I said, I, I've learned, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but, uh, I will be shocked if it's a, a Henry or, or even a Hopkins. Yeah. I realize Hopkins, mm-hmm. you can get him on the cheap right now when it comes to his, uh, t- uh, 2023 money and all like that. I, I would just be shocked if we're talking about a big name here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible something happens. I might be a bit more open to the idea than you are Pittsburgh, a, you know, competitive team uh, that's, that's got a chance to to make the playoffs this year that, you know, has some obvious needs. And maybe there's somebody out there that you can get, but we just got to turn Madden off for a second. You're not going to trade for every single all star type of player, you know, just it's not going to happen. So in and, and whatever happens, we'll we'll be able to spend the next two weeks talking about so. I'm not going to waste a lot of breath and energy on you know debating these hypotheticals that probably won't happen. And if they do happen, then we'll talk about it whenever it actually occurs. I promise you we'll, we'll find things to talk about if they trade for a Justin Simmons. We'll have our our plate pretty full there. But uh, don't count on those things happening. And again, it just, you know, bugs me a bit because then you know, the whole world talks about that for a week. And it's like we can talk about things that are here and right now and talk about the Jaguars and talk about the state of this this current team and guys who are actually Pittsburgh Steelers instead of just, you know, wasting our breath on. All this speculation that people suddenly believe becomes true that, you know, basically has no chance of happening.
1: Right. Uh, this the speculation and the way the Internet works and all it, the speculation becomes reports.
2: Right. And so, exactly. Somehow.
1: And then when something like that doesn't happen, people uh, people mad. are upset. You know? Yeah.
2: Why didn't they were supposed to trade for Sertan and Simmons right. and Hopkins? Why didn't they do all this? It's like, well, the NFL, these trades, it's not the NBA and, you know, hockey where these trades are more frequent with bigger names, you don't see that type of movement. And again, some of this stuff can happen around the league. You know, Henry could get moved. I don't know, but he's not coming to Pittsburgh. I, I can just tell you that much.
1: And hey, look, you, I thought you threw out a good suggestion the other day at the end of the podcast. I mean, that that that, though, is is kind of the magnitude that I foresee if, if something does happen with who was it, Henderson?
2: Yeah, C.J. Henderson. Yeah, I think a, a trade for a corner is possible. I think trying to find that name is tough. I and mean, Henderson's not had a great year. And you look at some other names that I think you know would make sense, maybe on paper, a Marcus Peters or, you know, Kendall Fuller in Washington. And some—I'm just kind of spitballing names. I've just kind of gone through you know a list of them there. Um, there's not really one that screams. This one makes the most amount of sense to you. I think it's possible, but again, I—it's—it's it's, you just kind of get into the the pie in the sky scenarios of. What are they going to do with Justin Simmons? I mean, he's a great player, but you already have one free safety. You don't need, you know, what are you going to do with him? So, and then the cost it's going to take to acquire. And Sean Payton needs some guys to win next year. You know, they're not going to win this year. And they need some guys to, to build around for next season. So, um, I just, you know, I, I think more to the point, as you said, this thing gets, you know, written about one place and all of a sudden becomes, oh, it's a rumor and then a report. And then, oh, my goodness, it might actually happen. And it actually never really had much of a chance. And it was just a, you know totally media created type of story and that can get frustrating
1: and we're missing out on a lot of clicks by not writing about this oh stuff.
2: yeah yeah i mean intentionally you know we don't you know we're not we're not choosing to write about that stuff probably at our own uh hurting ourselves in the process but we just don't want to waste that time on that kind of right. stuff anyway i'm getting off my soap my soapbox there let's now transition to the here and now and talk to Uh, Our friend Demetrius Harvey, who covers the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Florida Times Union and Jacksonville.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Demetrius82. Dave, let's take a pause and come back with Demetrius.
1: Okay, welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. It is Friday, and as usual, we'd like to have a beat writer on that covers the other team that the Pittsburgh Steelers will be playing. And this is week eight, and that means the Pittsburgh Steelers will be hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars at Acrisure Stadium on Sunday. And with us uh, this week, a first-timer on the Terrible Podcast, Demetrius Harvey. Demetrius covers the Jaguars for the Florida Times Union. You can follow his or read his work online at jacksonville.com. Just click the Jaguars section there. When you get to the homepage, it'll take you to the Jaguars coverage there. And you should be following Demetrius Harvey on Twitter uh, this week at Demetrius82. And that's D-E-M-E-T-R-I-U-S. Hey, Demetrius, welcome to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.
0: I appreciate it. I uh I've been following the Steelers depot for a long time now. Um just it, just in general, honestly. And uh and, and you guys are doing an awesome job over there. Um, I always go for the combine stats, things like that. Just, it's just good. So uh, I'm glad to be on.
1: All right. Glad to have you for a first timer here. And uh, look, let's talk some football here uh, for the next 20 minutes or so. The Steelers hosting the Jaguars on Sunday. Uh, the Jaguars uh, off to a good start this season, led by Trevor Lawrence and uh, Travis Etienne in the backfield there. Uh, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Really, overall, mm-hmm. uh, the thing that sticks out of uh, we normally we get the tape done, you know, late on Thursday night and and. Uh, uh, give away the secret here. We're recording this on Thursday night due to Demetrius's schedule here, but I uh, already looked at uh, the New Orleans game. Obviously, that was televised, and, and Jacksonville's had a long week here. The thing that sticks out to me on offense when you, when you talk about the Jaguars is uh, Travis Etienne, especially running the football And they like to attack those edges, uh, quite a bit. Uh, is that kind of what we're going to see when we look at, you know, other games on the all 22 is that this is a team that likes to run the ball, uh, on the perimeter.
0: Absolutely. The perimeter is honestly what the Jaguars sort of hang their hat on. Um, you'll see that in in not, not just runs, but also passes they are very horizontal offense at times. I guess West coast is how someone would describe it. Um, you know they'll they'll do a lot of wide receiver screens sort of extension of the run game sort of plays and you know with Travis obviously getting to the edge uh that's where he he makes his money i mean the guy obviously has two touchdowns in each of the last three games um he's 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 been fantastic for the team now while his his yards per carry is down about a yard and or 1.1 yard, something like that um, from last year but a lot of that in my opinion has to do with sort of not only just the blocking up front but also you know they're sending him in there on those short yardage situations which the Jags do struggle at so you know those third and ones fourth and ones Travis is in there um, he actually leads the league and carries you know he's been used that often uh, and, and, and so you know it, it's sort of a situation where you know getting him outside the tackle you know getting him around uh pulling a guard having him out in front that's sort of where Travis excels and you know obviously he can still run between the tackles you know pop it loose every now and then but but yeah that's pretty much where where he he makes his money and uh he's had some success this year
1: yeah, I, I didn't notice that they do like to pull uh, one or even really two offensive linemen at a time on offense there and 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 to kind of help and mm-hmm. uh, get those uh, uh, wide receivers involved in the blocking on the edge. I think they do a good job at that uh, overall. Uh, I want to talk quickly about uh, uh, the right tackle, Anton Harrison. That's a guy that we yeah. looked at quite a bit during the pre-draft process, thinking that, you know, if the Steelers didn't go tackle in the first round or something, that maybe Harrison uh, would be a guy uh on on their radar how has he looked uh uh through the the the, you know the first part of this season
0: yeah you know he's actually been probably it's exciting to talk about when when you think of young players and ascending he's really been one of the most improved players through the first seven weeks of the season if you if you just go back and look at, at Week two um, against Chris Jones. Now, granted, everyone's going to struggle against Chris Jones, but it was a it was an all timer sort of bad game, and, and he'll admit that you know that was not his best game, and that's something t- where he actually has grown from. You know, some some teams or some players, you know, they'll have a bad game, especially early on in their careers, and, and they'll sort of you know recluse or go into a shell, or you know, all of a sudden that's that's the norm. You know, every every week we're saying you know oh well Anton's out there, so hopefully he doesn't give up you know three sacks. You know that that's sort of the mindset that the fans. Or the coaches or the players would have um, at that time, but you know, for for Anton, no, it's been it's been great. He's been improving every single week. Honestly, um, even the past, I think the past two or three games, I don't even remember saying his name. And you know, whenever you don't say a name of right. an of an offensive lineman, unless it's an amazing tack or amazing block. Um, that's probably a really good thing. So yeah he he's been he's been very good and I think that this is obviously going to be a, an incredible test this week against TJ Watt or 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 Highsmith. You know both are are great players. Obviously Watt is a in my opinion a future Hall of Fame player. So you know he, he there's there's going to be some struggles. I expect them to help him out a little bit. But yeah Anton has has looked good. He's looked athletic. I talked to the offensive line coach Phil Rauscher, um, before the season, he he talked about how you know Anton's feet are are just incredibly quick. They're they're probably some of the fastest that he's seen, even more than Derasaw, I believe, in uh, in in Minnesota. So you know it, th- that's some high praise for a guy who's who's coached some some pretty good offensive linemen in his day. He's also coached Brandon Sheriff still does. Um, so you know it, it's it, it's been interesting to see his development, and yeah, he's he's been looking pretty good.
1: He'll obviously have a big test uh, with uh, with TJ Watt, but I would imagine, like most of the teams around the league right now, he's going to have plenty of help uh, over over on that other side. Uh, uh, I would imagine you would think that's going to be the the attack on him.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and um, I think even Doug said it yeah, Monday or or Wednesday. I guess he said, you know, yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely you have to help out. Now, how often is that going to come? Um, I don't know. Maybe every play. Maybe whatever. Uh, but but, you know, it it seems to not really matter against TJ uh, from what <laughs> I've seen. So, you know, they're going to have their hands full regardless, in my opinion.
2: And Demetrius, all that's in an effort to protect Trevor Lawrence. I know we talk so much in Pittsburgh. We talk about the second year jump for quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett, year one to year two. That was the discussion point last year with Lawrence. I'm curious, though. Is, has there been kind of that third year jump for Lawrence, especially second year in this system with Doug Peterson after that, you know, kind of crazy rocky rookie season with Meyer and and everything that that happened there? Is there something different about Lawrence's game this year than even last year?
0: Yeah, actually, I I really do think that he sort of picked up where he left off last year. Um, and I know that it doesn't show in the touchdown numbers. A lot of people like to point to that, but um, you got to realize too the Jaguars. Uh, they're not necessarily struggling to score points. You know, they've scored 30-something the last couple of games. I understand, you know, there was a touchdown return. Uh, but but in in any event, it, the passing game hasn't necessarily been uh, the worst thing about this team, it's been the short yardage, third down stuff. So, you know, for Trevor going into this third year, you know, we all expected him to, to at least continue where he he left off. And I feel like, you know, pretty confident in saying that he um, accuracy wise is, is even better. Um And that, and that might not show in the numbers. I, I don't know exactly what, what his numbers are, but you can just kind of tell if you look at the tape, um, how pinpoint accurate his passes are. Rarely will he throw a ball. That's like, Oh wow. Shouldn't have thrown that. Um So, you know, he's, he, he's improved. I think his processing speed has gotten better. He's all, he's getting rid of the ball even faster. He was already one of the fastest players last year, getting rid of the ball. Um, you know, he, they, they don't take downfield shots too often, uh, just by the nature of defensive lines these days, um, having Zay Jones out, um, play or teams bracketing Calvin Ridley. So a lot of stuff is over the middle. Some of the deep shot stuff happens still. Um, but you know, he's, he, he's, he's an improving player. I, I think that, um, he's pretty much everything that, that they have asked for. Um, yeah, you would want his touchdown numbers to be a little higher, I guess. Uh, but other than that, I really do feel like he's taken that sort of third-year jump. Is he in the elite status yet? I, I don't I don't think so, necessarily. You can't say that just this second, but at least you can say that he's trending in that direction. I think that mm-hmm. that's what they want.
1: Alex, uh, is 30-something points a game,
2: is that legal? I think only in the state of Florida. I don't know if PA okay. has uh, has, grand okay. that has that in there. I think, well, actually, maybe the, the East Coast side has. The West Coast has still not, not gotten there yet. Uh,
1: okay, go ahead, Alex. <laughs>
2: When I watch this team, Demetrius, you look at the skill guys, people talk about, you know, Lawrence, Etienne, Kirk, Ridley. I love watching Evan Ingram. The numbers might not be super gaudy, but I've been a big fan of him coming out of Old Miss. I mean, he does everything for this offense. He's the sniffer in pass protection. He gets it in the backfield. He's, you know, using the short game, can make catches downfield. How integral is he to, to this offense, especially as you mentioned with Ridley getting a lot of attention this year?
0: Incredibly so. He's been, um, He's probably one of the most underappreciated um, players on this team. I think, uh, you know, the, the fans love him and, and they, they say his name often. I don't think he's underappreciated there. But just in terms of the national coverage, you don't mm-hmm. hear a lot about Evan Ingram. You hear about Christian Kirk, obviously. You hear about Calvin Ridley. Um, you hear about Travis Etienne. And, and, you know, for a while in the offseason, you were hearing about Tank Bigsby more than Evan Ingram. And, you know, it's 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 one of those situations where he's playing tight end. so So it's not something it's not a glamorous position. But when you watch him play, um, he's 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 an animal. I mean, the guy is aggressive in terms of uh, when he catches the ball, uh, you're not going to bring him down right away. He's a guy that can gallop. He he, he runs through any arm tackle. He's fast. Um, he's physical. Pretty much everything that you saw out of him from from Ole Miss. You know, he sort of translated and turned it into a different kind of game in the NFL with the Jaguars, at least. You know, Obviously, the knock on him. Uh, coming into Jacksonville, coming from New York, was his drops. And um, this year, I don't, I can't even remember a drop that he had. Last year, he had only a few, um, maybe, maybe three. And so, you know, it's a situation where I think that he's in a great spot mentally. Um, I actually would want to plug um, ESPN.com, M- Mike D'Aracco, who also covers the Jags. He did a really good in-depth story on. Um, Evan Ingram last week, and and it's it's great, and it shows his journey and sort of where he's come from, and and you know the dark times. You know, he he said that. It... On you know, to in public, he would say that Giants fans and the criticism didn't get to him, but really it, it was. It was something mm-hmm. that was sort of on his mind. His confidence was getting lost. Last year, he said that last year against the Titans, where he had his, I think it was like 154 yards, something like that. Um, you know, three touchdowns, whatever, whatever the the stats were. It was his best game last season, and that's sort of when it all clicked for him. And and uh he's loved it here ever since. And yeah, he's a very integral part of this offense he, he's a, he's the second most targeted player um you know he's gonna get the ball at least at least five times a game it feels like so yeah you know he's he's somebody that's important somebody you have to be careful and and, and mindful of
1: uh Demetrius before we uh, uh switch over to the defensive side of football what's the what what's the injury outlook I know it's only Thursday and a lot of things can change on yeah, yeah. uh on on Friday and Saturday and all like that but uh I- anybody of of, of note looking like they're gonna miss this game
0: are you talking about for the uh for the for, offense or? Oh well, general? for
1: for both sides, yeah. E- either way,
0: yeah. So I mean, they, they have a few guys. Um, Zay Jones Walker Little Walker Little is the the starting left guard right now. Uh, he had started at left tackle, but they moved him to guard. He's been hurt for the past couple weeks since the Bills game in London. He's he's limited this week. I I would be very surprised if he gave it a go on on Sunday, just because the Jags have a bye week um, upcoming. That's another week for him to be able to rest. They feel they feel good about having Tyler Shatley. Obviously, they they like walk a little inside a little bit more. Um, but but you know, he's probably not gonna go. Zay Jones, in my opinion, the same thing, especially because he hasn't practiced um Wednesday or Thursday. Um, you know, I don't expect him to practice tomorrow or, or Friday either. I, I I don't expect him to play. They'll give him another week. Um Trevor's gonna be fine. Uh he's probably not gonna practice in full this week, but he'll be fine. Brandon Sheriff's gonna be fine. Um, who else? Devon Hamilton is He's been out since training camp, essentially, and it was with the back, a back a back ailment um, that they described. It was it was a medical issue with his back. He's been out for for that long, but he's practiced full the last couple weeks coming off of IR. I actually expect him to be back, and uh, I don't know if he's going to be in the starting lineup, but he'll he'll play some snaps. I I, I think so against the Steelers. Tyson Campbell is kind of a wild card. Be- because, you know, he just got that hamstring injury two weeks ago, limited this week. I was kind of surprised to see him on the field. So I would say 50, 50 on him. Um, Cisco is going to be interesting to see too. I haven't heard too much about him, but, uh, he might i think he'll be able to give it a go this week we'll see but that's that's the rundown i think of all the all the jags injuries this week uh,
1: all right now when you talk about defensive side of football uh you look at uh, the sack production it seems like that's mostly come out of their two edge guys uh uh in 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 Josh Allen and and, and obviously Trayvon Walker their uh Really, really fantastic, and I think Josh Allen leads the team and is having a fantastic. Hard to believe he's already in his third season. Seems <laughs> like yesterday we were writing up a, a draft profile on him, though. But he really is showing good. Those guys don't switch sides too often, do they? They pretty much stay on their respective mm-hmm. sides, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. They'll they'll stay. I, I have. I'm drawing a blank on which side each guy plays on. I think I think Josh on the on the left, and then Trevor on the right. It might be the other way around. Yeah, I um, think you I think you're right there. But but yeah they'll 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 stay on the same side. Yeah, Josh is entering his fifth year. I mean that that's crazy, right? Just to think about. Um, this is his fifth season in the NFL. Uh, he's gonna be a free agent next year. So yeah, you know. But 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 those two guys, um, especially Josh, I think has been uh, tremendous. I think this is Josh's best year easily. Um, he's you know on pace to match or 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 actually surpass fully his um, his first year numbers, which was ten and a half sacks. Um, It's not all about sacks for this defense, though. I mean, th- th- this defense only has, I think, 13 on the year. I think that's ranked like 20, 28th or something in the NFL. It's, it's pretty low. It's not not a very sack produ- uh, productive defense, but w- what they can do is sort of make you one-dimensional, and, and that's a lot to do with uh, Trayvon Walker, who's on the other side. Uh, he sort of sets the tone for the line of scrimmage. Him, Foley Fadakasi, Roy Robertson-Harris, and, of course, Josh Allen as well. Um, you know those guys really set the tone. And I think that Trayvon, his best skill set really is, you know, sort of the edge setter, the run defender. I mean, you can you can talk about his sack numbers all you want. You know, should he been taken number one with given the pass rush productivity, you know, you can argue that all day. But at the at, at the end of the day, you watch the film. Uh, he's still a good football player. He's a guy who could probably start for most teams. Just being a down, you know. Defensive end in a three-four maybe, or 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 you know a, a big end in a four-three sort of system. I, I do think he's been a little miscast in Jacksonville, but that's what they got. But but yeah, th- those are the two guys who really threaten you, and and I think that you know that that's that that's something encouraging if you're Jacksonville uh, to see the growth from Josh, and then you know sort of the growth in different ways for Trayvon.
1: I think when you look at them overall, uh, there are. I think they're mostly a zone coverage team, right? And then uh, on, on top of it, I think they lead the NFL in takeaways uh, right now. And I think even yeah. then, I think they've got like seven forced fumble, you know, uh, fumble takeaways. Oh, we covers. know how 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 weird that stat could be because it's so so unpredictable mm-hmm. when it comes to to fumbles. But uh, this team seems like, and and the other thing that sticks out between uh, running plays of 10 yards or more and, and passing plays of 20 yards or more. Uh, they're, they're in, I think the top five or six in the NFL when it comes to not allowing those kind of explosive plays. So when you add mm-hmm. all of that together, that's why they're, I mean, that, that's why, you know, they seem to be having the, uh, uh, they might not look good statistically overall, if you just go stat hunting on them, but because mm-hmm. they, because they take that football away and, 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 you know, tackle the catch and play a lot of zone. That's what's been, whole, you know, keeping them in there. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, basically, their zone defense. They would like to play man a little bit more. Um, I think that that's sort of predicated off of how, you know, what, what offense they're going up against, but the offenses they have been going up against uh, lately zone has been a pretty good way to sort of stop those deep plays, stop those explosives from happening. Um, they do a really, really good job at stopping the run. I think they're fourth in the league in terms of yards per game allowed on the ground. Um, so that's opened things up for them to get those turnovers, to to get those takeaways, things like that. You're And and you're right, um, fumble recoveries are sort of misleading just because those are so random. The ball just might not bounce your way on a certain right. down, or it might bounce a, the opposite way. Maybe it bounced right into your lap, you know, those kind of things. It, it's weird. Interceptions are a little better, obviously. They have... You know, two guys with three picks, Cisco and and, and Darius Williams, and then you know a, a few guys with with one. And I think that that is sort of more indicative of of, of what they've been able to do and how sticky in coverage they've been. I think their front seven, um, including the linebacker, obviously, you know, Foye, and then and then and then the Devin Lloyd, you know, those two guys, and, and and the rest of the defensive line have been outstanding, which has enabled them to sort of uh, be this uh, takeaway team where. Yeah, you know, teams are going to dink and duck their their way downfield. We saw that on Thursday with Derek Carr. He barely passed the ball over 10 yards, Um, but, you know, they're not going to necessarily score every single drive, and that's sort of what they pride themselves on. It It doesn't have to be as dramatic as maybe a Gus Bradley scheme, you know, where you're probably going to dink and dunk your way downfield and then score most likely, but it's more of a, probably a more aggressive version of that. Three, four, you know, just, just, just different. They, they like to disguise a lot. It's, um, it's, it, it, it's really been um, in, interesting or incredible to see uh, how different they look this year compared to last. And And one last thing on the defense for me, the, they're ranked 31st in, in pass yards allowed, but that's really misleading when, when right. teams are not only not only behind a little bit, but also passing for as for passing as often as they do. I think right. Derek Hart 55 passing attempts. You know G- Gardner Minshew the same thing. You know when when they're, when they're passing that much, you're going to give up passing yards. That's just natural. So, so um, you know they're a better defense than I think the stats give them credit for. To your point. Um and, and a lot of that just has to do with a lot of growth from these guys and um sort of just making impact plays when when they come to them.
2: When I would grow up and watch NFL primetime and catch out the, the week's highlights and know there'd be a trick play, Chris Berman would say those tricky, tricky, whatever the team is. When I watch the Jaguars, I feel like the tricky, tricky Jacksonville Jaguars with Logan Cook running some fakes, you got... Um, I think Christian Kirk threw a pass. They had a wildcat play for a touchdown off a turnover against the Colts for ETN. Is that just a Peterson type thing? Is that because they have the people they think they can do that type of stuff? Mike Tommy even made the comment that we're on alert for those kinds of things. So is there any rhyme or reason for why there seem to be so trick play happy?
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a combination.
2: I think that they have players.
0: I uh, like Travis Etienne, like Jamal Agnew. Jamal Agnew is a right. really good example. Um, but also, they have Doug Peterson, who who who's a who's a gambler. You know, he's a guy who's going to go for it on fourth and five at, at at the fifty. You know, that kind of thing. And I, I think that for him, having those change of pace um or tr- or trick plays is is important. You have to have sort of that catch off guard play. You have to sort of try steal possession sometimes you know obviously they felt strong then they didn't have the look then they did and it was weird but but it worked and so you know it was a situation where um or it it is a situation in jacksonville where yeah you know they're they're not going to rely on the trick play but they're going to throw it at you they're going to have all these end around reverses, things like that. And, you know, whenever Jamal Agnew is on the field, it might be a little tricky to see that this week because Zay is going to most likely be out. Um, But whenever he's on the field and Zay is active, you know, it's most likely going to go to Agnew and and they're most likely going to get him the ball in in a sort of weird way just because of the playmaker and the type of player that he is. But yeah, they, they have these guys and um, they, they definitely acquire players because they know that they fit a certain skill set that they like, and they're not afraid to use them. You know, this isn't a bland offense. It's an offense that's interesting. Um, and, and you're not necessarily going to know exactly what they're going to do on any given down.
2: Right. Yeah, it's a fun offense. And I do that. 39, it sticks mm-hmm. out. But he's certainly a player <laughs> I was going to uh... say the same thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Another, trust is me. that
1: another running back in there? Is this a, what, what personnel <laughs> is this? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: He, he, he frustrates me even just with that, th- <laughs> with that 39. He, uh, I think we asked him about it last year and he said he likes the ugly number and he's going to keep it. So it is what it is. He he admits it's ugly, but, but he, he <laughs> likes it. So I guess
2: embrace, embrace the ugly. My last question for you, Demetrius, what is, what is the expectation for Jacksonville? To me, they were a trendy pick this summer. They were my pick that could really contend with the chiefs, the the Bills, the top uh, upper echelon AFC teams, they're kind of in that maybe tier two category. They're five and two right now. What is what do you consider a successful season when all is said and done for Jacksonville this year?
0: Yeah, they're they're on the right track. You know, I I think that coming into the year, I I said they would be about twelve and five and. And here they are at five and two, and I still think that twelve and five is perfectly reasonable to to expect. I think that the expectation um, is for them to win the division pretty easily. The AFC South, just because of the other teams within it, um, I think the expectation is them to be for for them to be competing uh, for that number one or two seed, and, and and that's and to me those aren't really you know big expectations considering where they were last year, how they started this year. Um, they already beat the Bills. Um, they did lose to the Chiefs and the Texans, but um, you can sort of see how this team could, you know, keep going. They can keep this streak alive. I I, I really do think that this is a very um even improved team from last year, you know, top to bottom or on both sides of the football. Maybe maybe you can knock them a little bit for the offensive line just because of the changes. But other than that, it just feels like, you know, this team is still ascending and they're still trying to figure it out and they're winning while they're doing that so to me the expectations are incredibly high if they they lose more than more than 6 games this year that would be very disappointing for them
1: uh, Demetrius, I'm 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 in my mid-fifties, so I've seen the Jaguars play the Steelers quite a bit, and uh, came away disappointed on quite a the quite a few of those. The Steelers are uh, six and seven versus the Jaguars all time in games played in Pittsburgh, and that includes, mm-hmm. of course, two playoff losses. Mike Tomlin is five and four all time against the Jaguars, but he's one and four against them in games played in 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 Pittsburgh. So you know where I'm going with this. Uh, the Jaguars mm-hmm. are uh, three point favorites on the road against the Steelers in this one. Uh, How do you see this one shake out and feel free to throw out a score prediction for our listeners here?
0: Yeah, I I think the Steelers are still trying to find obviously their identity on offense. Um, I think that's telling with the tape. I thought that last week when Deontay Johnson came back, they did look a lot more um, you know, coordinated. They looked. They look a little bit more organized. So, so I do think that they're going to give the Jaguars a little bit more than what you would normally expect. The issue that the Steelers have is sort of the issue that all teams have against the Jaguars is that they haven't been able to run the ball consistently. And so I think that that's going to ultimately be their downfall. And Jacksonville's, you know, um, sort of going to take advantage of that. I, I really can see this game sort of going heavily in the Jaguars' favor, not super heavily. Um, I, I do think that the Jaguars' offense is going to do well, but I also know that the Steelers' defense can be good. Obviously, at times with T.J. Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick, all those guys back there, I think they are are studs. Um, maybe not as good as they used to be in their heyday, but 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 here they are now. So, um, with that, with all that said, uh, I, I do have the Jaguars winning twenty four fourteen, which may might sound crazy. Um, but I really do think that the Jags are sort of red hot right now, whereas the Steelers are sort of waffling a little bit. And so, uh, that's where I'm at.
1: All right, Demetrius. So well, look uh fantastic job. First timer on the terrible podcast. Uh, not sure when these two teams will meet again, who knows, maybe, maybe the Steelers can sneak into playoffs and maybe we'll, we'll Never be knows. talking, uh, later on in the year there, but, uh, uh, Alex and I certainly do I uh, appreciate you coming on. And uh uh once again, thanks for uh, being on the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on.
2: And welcome back to the terrible podcast. And again, our special thanks to Demetrius Harvey first time on the show, but did a great job and love talking with him again. He covers the Jaguars for the Florida times union and Jacksonville.com. Follow him on Twitter at Demetrius 82, or at least shout him out and say, Hey, thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, Giving up some of his time to talk with uh, Dave and myself.
1: Yeah. Great first timer, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Not all we've done this long enough now that we don't get that, that many first timers, but over the last couple of weeks, this season due, due, due to who the Steelers are playing, uh, we are getting that. So it was a joy having it on and who knows Alex, uh, maybe the Steelers keep putting some W's up uh, throughout this uh, season. Uh, I it probably wouldn't be a shock to see th- those two teams meet in the playoffs. Yeah,
2: honestly, I mean, if you had to pick up an opponent, you know, you assume Jacksonville was going to win the uh, AFC South, and if Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh becomes a wild card team, that seems like a, a reasonable uh, wild card matchup, Dave.
1: Yeah, but uh, thanks to Demetrius, and make sure if you get a moment to shout him out on Twitter and thank him for his time.
2: For sure. All right, Dave, let's do our, our uh, own preview of this game: Jacksonville and Pittsburgh, one o'clock p.m. On Sunday at Acrisure Stadium, Pittsburgh four and two, Jacksonville five and two. Both teams coming off a Week Seven victory. The so Jacks having that mini buy as they played on uh, Thursday in Week Number Seven, beating the New Orleans Saints. Let's start with the Jaguars' offense here, led by Trevor Lawrence, a ton of talent with skill positions. ETN uh, Ingram at tight end, Ridley Kirk at wide receiver. What jumps out to you first when you watch this Jacksonville offense, Dave?
1: Uh offensive linemen on the move and Travis Etienne on the edge. Uh those are the things that really, really jump out to me. Man, they they get those offensive linemen on the move. They do good with misdirection with that kind of stuff. And it 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 it, it looks like a lot of their success. Uh, in the running game, uh, comes when they can get Travis Etienne outside on the edge. Now they do have, you know, have had some limited success running in between the tackles, but uh, it really, really seems to pop when they can get uh, that 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 young running back of theirs out on the edge.
2: Yeah, and the number that shocked me the most was, and Demetrius made this point. Travis Etienne leads the NFL in carries, 127. You know, the whole debate was in 2021, you know, Najee Harris versus Etienne, those were the top two backs, and Pittsburgh was always, you know, really locked into to Harris, and part of that was that that work uh, horseback mentality. They can shoulder the load. I mean, Etienne, maybe is getting more carries than what they want, but, you know, not, not only does he lead the NFL in carries, he leads the NFL in uh, offensive snaps for a running back and, and snap percentage for a running back. He's playing 80% of the time for them, so... Um, I think he's doing a good job. I know the numbers from a yards per carry standpoint are down a fair bit, but uh, I think he's really become their all situations type player and a home run threat. Every single time this guy touches the football,
1: yeah, they'll get creative with him too. They'll uh, they'll shoot him out from the backfield in motion and get the ball out in his hands that way uh, to him as well. They'll run a lot of quick screens, or, or you know, to to even Ingram. Uh, they like working the edges, not only in the running game but in the passing game uh, as well too. I pulled up the last six uh, passing charts for for. For Trevor Lawrence, uh, as well, dating back to week two, and if you're a Steelers fan looking at that, uh, and I, I would imagine Jaguars fan, I haven't looked on Twitter or whatnot, I'm sure they're yelling, "Throw the ball to the middle of the field more." Well, they haven't had to because they work the edges uh, so well overall. This they are they are a a, a offense that probably gains most of their yards. Uh, outside the tackles and definitely outside the tackles in the running game and probably closer to the numbers and out when it comes to the passing game.
2: I'll say with the running game though, you're right. They're kind of more of an edge team, but they run some power football I and mean, they'll mm-hmm. counter they pull guards and they run these pin and pull schemes. So it's not all, you know, obviously toss or outside zone or kind of finesse. I mean, they will run some power stuff, but, but get their back out on the edge that way.
1: Right. They, they, they will indeed that. And look, they, they'll they still run some inside stuff and they've had some limited success, but, but where it really pops for them w- in the running game, uh, is, 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 is on the edge there. And look, I pulled up that clip, uh, from, uh, who was it against the Colts? I think, uh, there they'll, they'll, they'll put ETN in the backfield, uh, wildcat him mm-hmm. and, uh, you'll run some of that wind back of, of Ingram coming across or or, or, or your know, wide receiver coming across and then circling back and then pull the guards the, the opposite direction and get you going one way and then boom, ETN's on the edge that way. So there's a lot to look out for uh, in this game. They do a great job with their motion. They do a great job with the misdirection aspect of the game as well too and uh, the Steelers have, defense has really got to be on their keys when it comes to not allowing uh these plays out on the edge
2: and there's some trickery in this offense you mentioned the wildcat touchdown that was the first playoff of a turnover against the colts they go out there in wildcat kind of a read option with etn he he keeps the football it's a 22 yard touchdown so just big momentum you know game changing type plays there they run fake punts with logan cook their punter i think they had one against the saints and i believe they converted that they have a wide receiver pass by, by by Christian Kirk to to ETN. Um, you know, they they do some stuff with Agnew, who's you know, been a great return guy. I remember back in college, right. San Diego. Not San Diego State, but literal San Diego It's a great return guy there that did it for Detroit. And he's kind of getting involved in some of this, you know, motion and window dressing, but you know, out in space type stuff for them. So uh you know, Doug Peterson's a guy that's always been aggressive and kind of done some funky things. So Pittsburgh has to be ready for some unique plays this weekend.
1: Right. Exactly.
2: And then in the past game, you know, tr- traditional guys, Christian Kirk's been awesome for them. Calvin Ridley maybe been underused a little bit, but, you know, a big time threat one V one still making some big plays for them. And I'm a huge fan of Evan Ingram. Dave mentioned that to Demetrius. He's used all over. They run some split back. He uses that sniffer to help, you know, deal with some of those mug and a gap pressures. The teams like Pittsburgh are using more and more He'll be out in space, but he's athletic. He can make a sick one-handed catch against us. maybe the Colts. It was so um that's a, a pretty unique guy tight end i think
1: yeah and that probably explains why they brought in uh who was it washington uh this week to get a, a good look on on the card mm-hmm. team uh with him and all like that uh it's like having another receiver out there with, with, with the things that you can do with him. You can collapse him down to the end of the line of scrimmage or you can split him out and use him in the passing game that way. I tell you what, better not turn your back on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I know he's got a, a, a banged-up knee and all like that, but even in this game against the Saints, uh, he showed that he's not afraid to take off with the football. So not only do you have to worry about uh, you know, they're, 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 uh, eligibles, you know, find eligibles that they have as far as receivers go, uh, and, and worry about the running game and all. But when Trevor Lawrence, uh, drops back, you better have a good contained system set up because he will take off with the football, either up the gut or around the edge.
2: Yeah, I'll say that's the only downside to like the Alex Highsmith spin move. As potent as it is, it can give up contain when it doesn't work, or even when it does work and get some pressure. It'll flush the quarterback to his left, and there's there's often a vacancy there. Think about the Stafford touchdown that to well. Uh, that that's what happened on that play. So I'm not knocking Highsmith for that rush, but those spin moves do have a downside to it. And Lawrence is a guy that is certainly able to to run with the football
1: right uh and as far as the passing game goes once again they, they 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 tend to work towards the sidelines a little bit more more than not uh if they do pass over the middle it's usually more in the six to ten yard variety they don't they don't do a lot down the middle of the field uh between the numbers more than 12 yards past the line of scrimmage
2: which makes sense when you have Kirk and Ridley on the outside. Not really a true slot receiver in this offense. It's really more Ingram and he's done his work. He's done his work, I think, to the edges, but but more underneath. Not they don't work the seams as much. So so that all tracks. How about this offensive line? You know, Robinson, I think, a left tackle. Solid. You mentioned. You know, can you attack the right tackle? The rookie Anton Harrison against T.J. Watt. You know, Watt's seen a lot of younger rookie type of tackles this year. Can he take advantage of that? Obviously, you know, Jacksonville's going to give a lot of help to to him. I'm sure. Uh, sheriff has been a really good guard played in the football playing in the NFL for for a long time so um it, it's probably an underrated offensive line not 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 an amazing one but i think it's a solid group of guys up front
1: it feels like uh scheme wise and execution wise uh uh i don't know how are they on chunk plays probably it doesn't if if they're coming they're coming a lot of after the catcher on the ground with, with 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 I'm sure etn has his share of 10 or more uh uh yards what I'm getting at here is they're they're very much a ball control move the football and and execute five six seven yards at a time
2: mm-hmm. yeah the numbers I have here they have 19 runs of 10 plus yards that's tied for 13th in football so just a bit above average in the past game. Oh, they have 18 completions of 20 or more yards, which is tied for 19. It's so lower than what I thought it would right. be for their their skill guys. They're not said, an
1: explosive team overall, but they, they, they do execute, and they ball control, uh, and they march on down the field.
2: Yeah, and they're, I think they get some yak. You, look, you know, the touchdown that Kirk had against the Saints that game winner, I mean, that was what a short little jerk route. He outran the entire Saints secondary. So, I, I mean, yeah, on paper, maybe the numbers aren't there, but I think Ridley in space is a dangerous dude. I think he's a great route runner, a great player overall. I think Kirk has made some huge plays for them. ETN is, is explosive, had some probably bigger plays last year than, than this year. So, I just get worried about those 1v1 moments, especially with the Pittsburgh secondary not tackling that well overall this year. They better tackle well this week. Dave, you miss a tackle. I think those guys can mm. can pop a big play.
1: Uh, I worry about having a situation like you had against uh, Houston there where you're not good on first and second down. You put them in a lot of advantageous uh, even if you get to third down, <laughs> you know, uh, when, when it comes to that, uh, as with any opposing offense, the more second and long and third and long situations that you can, uh, get in. Yeah. You, you want Trevor Lawrence to hold the football a little bit longer, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and trying to make plays. That's when he's more apt to get uh, into trouble, but I don't think he has a lot of interceptions overall. Look, this team is a uh, plus six in the takeaway, uh, take, uh, t- take away giveaway category. And that's equal to what the Steelers are uh, at this point and, and and Trevor's not throwing a lot of interceptions. They're, they're protecting the football uh, overall as a team. Uh, this feels like yet another one of those games where if the Steelers are going to uh, keep it close and, 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 and have a chance at the end, they're going to have to get a key takeaway or two uh, away from this offense that, that that's been good so far at not, not turning the football over.
2: My last point on the Jaguars offense is watch out for play action on first and 10, especially the first play of a possession. They love doing that. They did it three times against the Saints. And so they're going to, you know, on some of those quote unquote rundowns, they're going to play Pasha and try to go for a big play. So watch out, play action, first and 10.
1: Uh, and they will try to trick play a time or two, probably. So
2: Oh, yeah. Yep, Bag of tricks for Doug Peterson. All right. Flipping over to the defense here. I think it's a good group. It's not maybe a. it's kind of like the Rams, not a bunch of huge names, but they got a good great pass rusher up front and Josh Allen. A couple of first round picks. I mean, I think Trayvon Walker the most like forgotten first overall pick of the last, you know, maybe 20 years. Um, but I think he's playing some good ball for them. He's athletic. His hustle on wide receiver screens is uh, really jumps off the, the, the tape to me. What are your impressions of this Jacksonville defense?
1: I think they're. I uh, you look if you look at them raw statistic wise, and we talked to Demetrius about this a little, uh, a little bit as well too. Uh, statistically, maybe if you look at them on on paper, they don't look great, but uh, they do a great job uh, overall when it comes to explosive play, run and 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 pass uh, uh, aspect. Uh, those guys up front really do play to run well. They, uh for, for for such kind of a a no name unit i mean adam gost got got how long is he he how long has he been around
2: uh, a long time maybe 7 or so years i think in the league
1: you know, and 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 their nose tackle, a lot of you know, former undrafted free agent. I think I, I think all the a lot of their guys up front are, are just kind of jur- You know, kind of uh, hardworking type of dudes. So, uh, they're they're not a outside of their edge guys in 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 in, in Walker and Josh Allen. Uh, they're not a high sack team, but they are more of a constrictive uh, front that that uh, uh, provides pressure that way. I think they do a good job overall with 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 contain. Uh they they're they're predominant on the back end the zone defense they tackle the catch well they don't give up big plays or a hard hitting unit overall. I think the Steelers front's going to be hard pressed to uh, maybe get that run game going. But if they can get the, that 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 might be the trick of this thing is if you can get that run game going building off you know, some play action maybe off that kind of stuff, uh, but they are predominantly a zone uh, team that prides themselves on not giving up a, a explosive plays, stopping the run, tackling the catch, and they have a lot of takeaways. They lead the NFL in takeaways uh, in, in t- entering this week, and seven of those, I think, are fumbles, and we know, all know how those are, aren't as predictive uh, as much, but they they seem to attack the football and try to want to rip it out.
2: Yeah, I know the fumble recoveries can be a bit fluky, but they're forcing fumbles. They're really, you know, ball searching and looking to punch that football out. And so that's that's a personality of them. Yeah. Who would have guessed Jacksonville leading the NFL in te- in takeaways? Mm. Not not on my bingo card. It's kind of a weirdly numbered defense because they they've allowed 10 passing touchdowns, but they don't allow the big plays in the pass game overall. They have what? Nine interceptions. that second in the league. But they only have 13 sacks. Like the numbers don't really jive, but but right. they're working situationally. They're strong. They're good on third down. They're good in the red zone overall. Um, you're right. That that front is kind of a mismatch of like underrated journeyman, but also top 10 picks and Walker and Allen. You know, Allen seventh overall, Walker former first overall pick. So um, the edges I think are really strong, and they play their run hard. They're not allowing a lot of uh, uh, yards on the ground, and they stay in their base defense a, a fair amount too. They're really gonna you know stay in their three, four even against some 11 personnel and and commit to stop the run and make you pass and can Pittsburgh win with that much of a run game that's typically not been how they've they've tried to been able to win games over the last you know two seasons so uh they're going to have to find a way to run the ball more efficiently more effectively this week because I think it's going to be a tougher challenge against the jaguars than it was against the Rams.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that as well, too. I forgot to look how they are at, 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 at uh, directionally. Maybe I'll pull that up right now uh, to see how they are as a team by play direction and specifically against the run. Because remember last week, mm-hmm. uh, the Steelers seemed to be able to run a little bit uh, outside, Against uh, the Rams pull- I'll
2: just mention really quickly as you're looking that up The Jaguars have missed 52 tackles This year per, uh, per uh, pro football Reference coming into the week that was tied for 5th Most in football so you see it on tape uh, A little bit as well so I think there's, a, there's Some after contact chances here um, Because Jacksonville has missed more tackles Than you would you would like to see as a Defensive coordinator for them
1: uh, these are some raw, obviously, stats here. Uh, would have to drill it down and look at how some of these happen here. If there's any quarterback scrambles mixed in with, with, with this, but, uh, 23 runs. Uh, To left guard against them have averaged 5.70 yards and that's ranked 29th in the league when it comes to run directions uh, that way across the board the rest of the way though pretty damn sound Uh, their worst ranking as far as directional goes outside of that 29th. Uh, to left guard would be to right guard at just 18th overall, but only nine runs against them. So not a large sample size that way. Same with left tackle. They haven't been attacked off of left tackle with runs uh, that much. Just nine of those for 2.33 yards, ranked second in the NFL. They're good around right in the rank first in the NFL on 26 runs hmm. that, that way, uh, there. So, you know, just, and, and that's a pretty large subsection up the middle, 51 runs against them up the middle, uh, tabbed up the middle, uh, for just 3.08 yards per carry ranked fifth. So the Steelers have had problems running kind of that inside zone and, 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 and duo stuff up the middle, uh, probably not going to have a lot of success uh, with that. I might try to work more uh, to the left side, and that's where the Steelers seem to 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 to, to have some of that success against the Rams uh, last week. There, so I would I would really test that left side over there when 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 working on the run.
2: Yeah, I would say just from a run defense standpoint, they're a bit of a hybrid front. Their guys kind of play up and down. They're more of a one gapping, slanting type of team. So can you try to work some angles and maybe Zoro toss or some power type stuff, um, potentially? But I think these guys are going to, to be able to execute some of these reach blocks and kind of cut some off, uh, cut off that penetration. And if you can, then you're going to get in the second level. You're going to have some space, and so you know then you're going to get some big plays that way. But can you stop that first level penetration? Those negative plays. Jacksonville wants to create. That'll be key.
1: They are living off the turnovers, though. So don't, you know, look. Kenny's been good last couple of games. I mean, the team overall has been 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 good. The Steelers have, uh, you know, don't don't give them the free ones because that's that that's the thing that sticks out with them is their takeaways on defense so far this season. Uh, the way they've played against the run, uh, top to bottom, they don't look like much on paper. But uh, and, and I, I think if you look at raw statistics, they're not great. But uh, that that unit's getting them getting it done for them. It's a very, yeah, sure. it's, it's, it might be the league's most underrated defense.
2: I think you're right. And their linebacking core, um, I always, I should look up the pronunciation and I apologize. I hate uh, not pronouncing names correctly, but, but their linebacker, uh, the former Falcon, uh, I think it is uh, foyside Olikin. He's played every single snap for them this year. He's an every down guy. He's got 81 tackles. I mean, he is not, he does not come off the field. He's an aggressive blitzer. And so that's a guy you got to watch out for, I think, especially on third down.
1: Yeah, look, uh, we'll see the Steelers do what they do, especially against uh, some 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 zone stuff. There, probably see some back shoulders in here, uh, working outside. Uh, you know, try try to get situations where you get those corners up and 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 and, and, and pressing and and try to work your deep shots outside the numbers there. I, I don't see a lot happening, maybe overall over the middle of the field. It'll be a bit surprising if the Steelers go that way anyway. Uh, there, but I think you can uh, attack the edges. Uh, in, in in the passing game, especially with that kind of patented back shoulder stuff, like to see uh, more of this Deontay Johnson, uh, more, more of these just slants overall that we saw against the Rams and, and, you know, you're going to have to be smart at finding, uh, your spots in these zone defenses and, uh, trying to get the ball tucked in and run after the catch with those.
2: Yeah, their zone personality. They run a lot of cover two, a lot of cover four, especially against two by two sets. And so maybe you have to attack the seams more against cover two. I mean, that is the whole shot, but trying to throw, you know, true vertical is going to be tough to do Um, against quarters coverage. It's going to be hard to really get the ball you know, vertically, I think. So you have to kind of sit down and, and find some zone beaters. And I think maybe, you know, maybe sit over the middle of the field and the tight ends do get involved a, a bit more this weekend. Um, I will say I I don't
1: I don't worry more. I don't worry as Mm -hmm. much about them being able to complete passes out out on the edge uh you know the one thing that 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 really obviously helped this team against the rams was yards after the catch so uh once again uh we're, we're probably going to be able to point to to the yak for both teams in this game as, as as potential assuming there's not a lot of turnovers or anything like that as being a main factor in this game i, I worry about the Steelers uh being able to 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 get their yak in this game
2: yeah, I mean, like I said, the Jaguars have missed a bunch of tackles this year, so hopefully there's there's a chance for that, but they do keep a lid on things. They don't really allow the big play overall, the explosive pass play, and so they want to just try to to keep things in front. That's really has become typical across the NFL. I think every defense right. is kind of working more too high and just trying to to, to keep a lid on stuff overall. Um, I think although on any situation where you get a fourth down, if you're ever in that situation, the Jaguars do man up, and I've seen mesh concepts really work well against them. So if you get late game or kind of being aggressive, you're on a fourth and two, fourth and three. Expect the blitz. Expect man uh, man coverage, and maybe try to come up with your best best uh, man beater. Then and then I would just say as a kind of a, a final situational thought: anytime you're kind of in that red zone, you know, around the ten yard line, eight yard line, they're going to drop eight. They're going to try to drop eight, constrict windows, and and you know, really make life tough on the quarterback. And only rush three. So just a, a minor point there about how they've kind of rushed on tape in some goal line situations.
1: An answer to help with all this was run the football better. You know.
2: Yeah, I mean Pittsburgh it's a must. They have to run the ball effectively. They did that against the Rams and you saw the offense just kind of find some more cohesion and they sustained better, but the Jaguars' run defense has been really tough. And so, you know, it's it's a tough front to run into. And the biggest
1: note cons- you know overarching thought uh, on on all of this is the Jaguars is coming off of a long week here, so they've had plenty of time to prepare.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's the injury situation for them? I know Demetrius mentioned it. Um, is there anybody of critical importance to them that we're really watching for on, on today's final injury report? Uh, I think,
1: that wasn't their left guard banged up and one of their cornerbacks banged up? Yeah, and, and then if I Campbell think was, uh, Zay...
2: Uh, Zay Jones, the receiver? Yeah,
1: I don't think he's going to play, but I, I think they've been without him, haven't they?
2: Yeah, I think he's missed some time. Yeah, I think uh, Demetrius, Demetrius Excuse me, mentioned uh, Andre Cisco, their safety, Tyson Campbell... Kind of the names I'll be watching for today, but yeah, I think Zay Jones is gonna gonna miss this one. I believe they're gonna get back to Von Hamilton as well okay. to kind of beef up that interior defensive line. All right, all right, mm-hmm.
1: Dave. All right, I think that's got it wrapped up on both sides of the ball there, and, and special teams just be on alert.
2: Yeah, watch out for the fake Logan Cookler punter has thrown a couple uh, in his time in the NFL. Okay, Dave. Before we get to our Steelers Jaguars picks, let's. Uh, be ready to make our week eight picks overall. But before we do that, let's hear from our friends over at my bookie.
1: Absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' season is officially over, but yours has just begun at my bookie NFL college football and a brand new cash out system. Give you options to bet and win all season long. The first two legs of your parlay hit for you cash out early and place another bet or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Join us at MyBookie for an entire season filled with daily odds boosts, same-game parlays, and huge prize pool contests. Right now, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. To get that, use our promo code, TERRIBLE. That's TERRIBLE. On your first deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly credited to your MyBookie account. That's promo code TERRIBLE to claim your own cash bonus now. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. And to get there, you go to MyBookie.ag. All right,
2: Dave, we are both what? one and one, oh, and one. Yeah.
1: they, they let the, cover. They, 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 they let the Buccaneers mark. Boy, how many play drive was that at the end of that game? And, and, and aided by penalties and all like that to let, uh, uh, Tampa cover, co- cover that one there. But, uh, uh, let's see here. Let's get into, we are both. Oh, and one. Let me make sure I've got this sorted correctly here. We'll get into the rest of the, the, the games here. Minnesota Vikings on the road against the green Bay Packers. The Vikings are road favorites trying to get back in this thing uh into the race they are favored by a point and a half here
2: uh where's this one at again I, in I, green bay I, in green bay i'm still going to go minnesota jordan Lovers really struggled uh jordan addison he looks like an, an emerging guy for them give me the vikings
1: i'll take the vikings late a point and a half in that one as well too minnesota's really got to have that one stay in in the in the in the race here new york jets at the new york giants uh jets on the road favored by 3 in this one
2: yeah, I'll go with it. It's a tough one. Uh, good defenses on both sides. Pretty aggressive. I think the Jets defense a bit better. No tie rods done okay for them, but I'll go with the Jets.
1: I'll go with the Giants in the upset in in, in, in this one. I'll take the Giants plus the three points there. Uh, New England Patriots on the road against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins at home laying nine and a half.
2: It's a big line. I know the Patriots coming off a really nice one against Buffalo. I'm going to go with Miami though.
1: I'll go with Miami, lay that big number, nine and a half. Hopefully they win it by, hopefully, I think they can win that by 10. Uh, Falcons on the road against the Titans. Is this going to be the last game for Derrick Henry as a member of the Titans? Uh, Falcons on the road, favored by two and a half points against Tennessee in this one.
2: And what the quarterback situation is for Tennessee is going to become probably quickly relevant for Pittsburgh Steelers fans because mm-hmm. the short turnaround of that Thursday game. Tannehill not going to play. doesn't sound like maybe Will Levis is going to get the start. Some Malik Willis sprinkled in all that to say, I'll take Atlanta, assuming that P. John Robinson plays, and I think he's going to play, but that was a weird one with Arthur Smith last week with him.
1: Yeah, I'll take a, I'll take Atlanta later, two and a half in this one along with you there. Philadelphia Eagles on the road against uh, the Washington Commanders uh philly laying seven on the road
2: yeah that that, that line's too small i think i'm, I'm taking the eagles easily on that one Dave. i'll
1: take the eagles with you and lay the seven there rams on the road against the dallas cowboys cowboys at home laying six and a half against the rams
2: I'll, I'll go with the rams i'm still impressed with them you know dax had some mistakes that defense not as strong give me give me the rams
1: I'll take the Cowboys. I'll I'll lay that six and a half at home in this one here. Uh, New Orleans Saints on the road against the Indianapolis Colts. I will not be watching this one. Saints mm-hmm. on the road laying one point.
2: You and me both are not watching this one. Uh, man, the Colts really got jobbed in that Browns game. I'll go with the Colts as the home team.
1: I'll go with the Saints. Lay the point. Uh, in this one, the Houston Texans on the road against the Carolina Panthers before maybe they fire sell some people off here. Uh, Texans laying three and a half, and I think the Texans are coming off the bye too, aren't mm-hmm. they? Three yeah, and a I half so. on the road against the Panthers.
2: Sticking with a Texan stake, give me Houston.
1: Yeah, Texas is just a better team here. I'll, I'll lay the three and a half with you there. Uh, Cleveland Browns on the road against the Seattle Seahawks. Not going to have Deshaun Watson. I don't believe uh, in this one. Uh, Seahawks at home laying three and a half against a good defense.
2: Right, it's PJ Walker getting an nod. Don't know when Watson will return. Yeah, picked against the Browns. They find ways to win, even though that win against the Colts was pretty controversial. I know it's kind. I'm going to go with the Browns on the upset. They just they've been fine. They're like Pittsburgh, finding ways to win.
1: I smell a rat here I I smell a rat here what want you to jump on the Browns here I'll take the Seahawks uh uh, uh covering this late uh cover I'll take the th- I'll lay the three and a half points uh, against the Browns here Denver Broncos hosting the Kansas City Chiefs they just played against each other a couple of weeks ago did they not on a Thursday night or a Sunday night game or something like that anyway the Chiefs won that one they're favored by seven on the road against the Broncos this week
2: Hey, does the Broncos always kind of find a way to play by homes pretty tight? How do you do in that first matchup? It was 19 to eight. It was not a great game. I'll say, I'll say Denver finds ways ways to cover this one.
1: I'll, uh, I'll say the Chiefs find a way to blow them out this time. I'll lay the seven on the road against the Broncos here. Uh, Ravens on the road against the Cardinals. Uh, boy, the Ravens look great against the Detroit Lions. Ravens on the road laying nine and a half against the Cardinals.
2: Will Kyler Murray play, I guess, is the question for this one. Either way, though, I'm going to go with the Ravens.
1: Yeah, I'll go with the Ravens late a nine and a half. They got that offense clicking there. Uh, Cincinnati on the road against the 49ers. Uh, 49ers at home, laying four against the Bengals.
2: This one's tough. Um, Let's talk about
1: uh, Burrow being able to play a little bit under center now. Yeah, yeah, with they, him getting
2: healthier. With
1: him getting healthier, you're gonna you take the. I guess there's a little bit of question, maybe at at at, at quarterback with with the concussion and. At uh, uh, Purdy, in, right? Yeah, with with, with Purdy there. I think the I think the 49ers will be fine. Uh, uh, they laid an egg, egg against uh, Minnesota. I think they bounce back. I'll lay the four points at home against the uh, against the Bengals there. Uh, charge. Uh, let's see. Chargers are hosting the Bears. Uh, who are the Chargers laying eight and a half at home against the Bears?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a big line though, and the Chargers they don't seem to win those those big games. I'll say Chargers win. Bears cover.
1: I'll take the Chargers cover that eight and a half. I'm fi- finally, maybe breaking out on the offense there. Uh, that leaves us, I think, with the Raiders visiting the Lions. Uh, Lions laying eight had, at home against the Raiders.
2: Yeah, I think the Lions are going to be properly pissed off for that terrible showing against Baltimore. They're going to take some anger out on the Raiders to meet Detroit.
1: I'll take Detroit lay the eight as well, too. That circles us back to the Steelers versus the Jaguars uh, in Pittsburgh uh Jaguars right now two and a half point road favorites and the history against the Steelers hasn't been great
2: no it has not what one in four Tomlin as you said against the Jaguars in Pittsburgh is that the number oh,
1: i I have to pull it up real quick here while you
2: I guess what you said Let's this go. one was the tough for me I really kind of had a, a similar feeling as the Rams game not super confident either way and You know, I've been really impressed by Pittsburgh again, winning close. That's been their MO. I give them so much credit for, for finding ways to do that late. I just look at Jacksonville with the the skill guys with the Pittsburgh secondary has been so just frustrating, inconsistent, prone to the big play. Can Pittsburgh run the ball effectively against a Jacksonville front? that's done well against the run overall. Again, I'm not super confident here. I'm taking Jacksonville low twenty-three to twenty over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Twenty-three to twenty. Very
1: close to me. We're gonna we're gonna make the because we're going to get a lot of I can't. <laughs> I thought you guys were Steeler fans. Uh, uh, comments here. The Steelers are six and seven versus the Jaguars all time in games played in Pittsburgh, and that includes two playoff losses. Obviously, Mike Tomlin is five and four all time against the Jaguars, but one and four against them in games played in Pittsburgh. Uh, the long week for Jaguars to prepare. I feel like the uh, uh, this this feels like a kind of a letdown game <clears throat> to me for uh, for the Steelers. Steelers here. Uh I know I said last week they 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 you know they've got to show me and all like that. I I just think the Jaguars are a better uh put together team on both sides of the football. I think they're an opportunistic team uh on top of it. <clears throat> I think the Steelers keep this one close once again, but I think they come out on the wrong side of this. My score is very similar to yours, uh, but I do have the Jaguars winning and covering in this one 24 to 20. That ought okay. to that ought, that ought upset uh, the, the listeners here. Both of us uh, okay. pick it. Pick, we both of us picked against them last week, though, didn't we?
2: And we're both wrong. So maybe yeah. we'll hold hands on our wrongness again. I mean, we pick we always pick close games because they're always in close games. And yet Pittsburgh always wins close games. Maybe we should pick the Steelers whenever we have a, a margin. Like either they get blown out or they win close. Those have been the literal two outcomes of every Steelers game uh, this season. All six of them have been either blowout losses to the 49ers and the Texans or close, you know, last second type of wins. And if we pick it close, maybe we should, we should start taking Pittsburgh. Uh,
1: Look, uh, as we, as I like have talked about here, these next four games, all of them are are very winnable, I think. And I think this is a, but I really think the next two after this against Tennessee and green Bay are very winnable. Uh, So, you know, even, even should the Steelers lose this game, Uh, I know there's going to be some doom and gloom and, and, and all like that. I I still think that this team, uh, you know, can go three and one potentially, especially uh, I I think we're looking at that Browns game several weeks ago being, all right, well, they lost against the Jaguars. uh, They beat Tennessee. They beat green Bay. If they can nail this win against the, the, the Browns, I think they'll be in good shape. I just don't got, I don't have a great feeling again, uh, 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 with this game against the Jaguars overall, hopefully I'm wrong. I just think the Jaguars are just put together, uh, all, all all together better. Uh, the Steelers can't afford any turnovers in this game and they're going to have to force a couple again uh, on the other side of football. So we'll see how it plays out.
2: If they win this game though, what does that mean? That means they've beaten a couple of really quality teams. It really does. The Ravens and the Jaguars.
1: Look, uh, what would they be? Five and two. <laughs> I, yeah. mean, uh, I don't care how you do it. Five and two is five and two. And then you have uh, once again, you have the the, the 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 Titans on the short week and then a long week to prepare for for a Green Bay team. So uh, this team really will be riding high and looking. Uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be hard. Look, it, it's, it'd be hard to envision them not making the playoffs if they win this game on Sunday.
2: Sure. Five and two. I don't know what the history says, but I mentioned the history of five and two teams is is pretty darn strong making the postseason.
1: All right. Uh, anything else to add to uh, the pics and all like that? Uh, now that we've made the listenership angry.
2: <laughs> no, I think we're good. Let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show.
1: All right. Let me pull it up here in the email machine. Uh, Lee Gray Greenspan. First of all, thanks for all the great content everyone at Steelers Depot puts out. Second, Dave, how you doing health-wise? Hope everything is going well on that end. I'm doing very, very well. I've not been better uh, this good in such a long, long time. Uh, As for my Steelers question... Keep have uh, been keeping an eye on the weather since um, I'm making my yearly trek out to Pittsburgh for the game. It's calling for rain the whole day. I feel like this is a big advantage for the Jags with the running game versus our run D. Uh, how do you see this affecting the game? I haven't given a lot of thought to uh, the weather at all, but if it is a uh, wet game, I, I would put it in, in favor of the Jaguars. Be honest with you.
2: I mean, in some respect, it's going to slow down their pass game and some of their, you know, uh, Ridley and maybe ETN speed a bit. But I don't know. I don't really know what the research says on some of the the weather type stuff. Um, I think wind really affects things more than rain, to be honest with you. So I don't know if it's going to have a significant impact overall.
1: Yeah, uh, I hope I hope the weather didn't ruin your trip out there, Lee. Uh, I've, I've heard kind of conflicting point, report just a couple of days ago. I thought that, that they thought maybe the rain was going to hold off, but I, I haven't looked at that uh, overall. I, I, I do think if it's a very, very wet game that it would, have, would 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 favor the Jaguars. So uh, right just there. just just because of how they run the football there. Uh, Deshaun Campbell writes in something. Guys wanted to piggyback off a question asked uh, last podcast on players would love to see this team trade for, he says, it, uh, uh, Alex said CJ Henderson, but how would you guys feel about, uh, a JC Horn or a Jeff Akuta? Both guys are young and have, uh, 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 pl- uh, pretty good experience. And last I, uh, let's see, I Forget how he's got this word, Allen Robinson. He likes Allen Robinson, but he's an older guy now. I'm wondering how much, if any, do you think a guy like Hunter Renfro uh, would help this offense? Once again, I, you know, I Renfro probably does want out of, of Vegas at this point, and obviously a slot option and all like that. What's his contract look like at this point?
2: I forget. We had talked about that when they played the Raiders. I asked the Raiders, um, you know, beat guy about his status because Renfrew was not touching the football at all. And it does feel like that's the guy that is going to get dealt here before the deadline. He signed that contract a couple of years back and then they went he, out there and signed is, Myers and traded for Adams.
1: He's got a six and a half uh, million dollar base salary. So let's uh, cut that in half what the Steelers would be on the hook for. So you're talking about, let's say it was uh, three million. Just sounds a little rich for the. Could could they manage it? Yes. Uh, short answer is yes, and he is under contract uh, through 2024. He's got an 11 million, 11.1 million dollar base salary uh, in 2024. Technically, could you pull off a trade for a guy like Connor Renfro? I suppose. I just it's just one, another one of those names that I, I would be shocked if, if if they did something like that.
2: I like Renfro. I think he's a great route runner. I wouldn't mind him in Pittsburgh. I just think Pittsburgh, they like their slot guys. Robinson, kind of the bigger blocker type, and Austin, kind of their shiftier slot guy. I don't think Pittsburgh has a real appetite to go acquire another third slot type of guy, especially with Deontay back. So I get it. I like Renfro a lot. I think he'll be a good fit for wherever he goes. I think he will be he will be one of those guys traded before the deadline. Um, I don't think Pittsburgh will be the landing spot. All
1: right. What about Jeff Okuda or J.C. J. Horn?
2: Yeah, Horn's a guy I think they're going to want to keep. They want to, you know, have some of those young guys to build around for next year. Um, He's, he's been hurt, too. I'm not even sure what his status is, uh, frankly, right now. Akuda was a former top pick. He got traded to Atlanta, have not followed how his Falcons career is going. I think Atlanta's trying to compete. I don't know if they're looking to unload guys right now in a pretty wide open uh, NFC South. So um, I, I think those are. You know, Horn's probably a little pie in the sky. Um, I think Kud is more realistic, but I just really don't know a lot about him. And I really don't know if Atlanta is in a position to start selling uh, players right now.
1: Uh, another kind of trade question here from Ethan Warner. Uh, hey, David Ox, appreciate uh, the all year Steelers coverage. You and the fine folks at Steelers Depot do for the people. Kair Elam has been a healthy scratch for the Bills for most of their games so far this season. I think Elam's scratched last night as a healthy he was. scratch. He
2: Yeah, Norman got the
1: hat. Uh... He says, "I'm not sure if he fits our scheme or plays on the on the right side, but do you think he could be a potential trade target for the Steelers? Uh, look, I mean, you got a, a a pedigree guy there. I believe the Steelers' interest in him was at the combine only, was it not? I don't think they brought Elam in a couple of years ago uh, f- for a visit. It, it it is a bit curious <clears throat> with the situation that the the Bills have over there that he that he has been kind of scratching. Could he be a guy that the Bills try to deal away?
2: I think it's a realistic name in terms of – I think it's good dock connecting, you know, guy that's kind of fallen out of favor for whatever reason in Buffalo, pedigree guy, that makes sense. But, you know, Pittsburgh, what is what is his role going to be? Elam's role would be in Pittsburgh, and they just brought Rush in. That's kind of their upside, toolsy type of guy, so – I think it's more realistic than like 95% of the names that we've heard of. And I did see that on Elam last night and kind of had that thought as well. I just don't know what Elam's role or purpose would be and who, you know, is he going to take Pierre's spot? No, is he going to take Russia's spot and he just got here. So I doubt that I I don't know how the pieces fit. So I would, I would, I would say no to that, but I I think it at least makes sense on paper as a a realistic name.
1: And look, he is a former first round draft pick in 2022. So what would they be looking to kind of get for him? Uh, Especially considering that they're probably not in uh, tear it down, sell off mode. You know, if the right, it it would probably take the right deal. And and yeah, probably not a first rounder for him. uh, But I, but you would at least want a second round for, for
2: no, I, I don't th- I think he, I think it's values. I mean, he's, if you're inactive and you're kind of falling out of favor, okay. you know, I, I don't know what the package would be. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, maybe, maybe a four, if they're trying to, to get rid of him. But like you said, I mean, Buffalo can't hold on to him as well. It's not like he's a free agent after the season.
1: Uh, look of all the names that, that, that have been thrown around. You know, I, uh, E Elam would probably be in the more believable category when it comes to a pedigree guy. And basically, what's going on with him
2: right mm-hmm. now? I just it, don't know. Like, how does he help you win? What What is right. his role? What is his function? If you acquire him, I mean, I I get again the on papers aspect of it, but I just don't know what he does for you.
1: Right. But of all the names out there,
2: right. Yeah, I think it's, it's a it's a sensible name. And, and, you know, obviously, Levi's not played well. They're looking for corner help. But is Elam going to come in and start right away? I, I just I'm not sure if I see that either. So I think I think as you see Porter play more and more, that's going to put Peterson giving him more right cornerback snaps. And that's going to be the way they kind of handle this thing.
1: How mad is this fan base going to be if there's nothing done on the Steelers in here in this next week?
2: Oh, I'm sure there'll be some frustration, but again, the NFL trades—they're maybe they're getting a bit more active in recent years, but they're not like the NBA or MLB or NHL right. that's always super active this time of year. So, I mean, I, I I've come to expect to not really expect much at the trade deadline. I, I know Claypool got dealt last year, and these things can't happen. I'm not saying nothing will happen, but in, in the NFL—it's not—it's not as trade happy as the other professional sports leagues.
1: Titus Haig right, writes in, just speculating, but I'm wondering what the status of Chris Wormley is. Shouldn't he be about totally healed from his ACL? And if so, uh, once Hayward is back, do you think they will cut louder Milk and bring Wormley back? Uh, I think the ship has sailed on Wormley. I know Wormley's had a couple of workouts. Did, did, he, didn't he
2: signed with the Panthers. Is he still with one? Carolina? Was it I practice? Think. Yeah, it looks like uh, early September he signed with the Panthers practice squad. Has he played for them? Does Is he still on their practice game. squad? I can check. I hadn't heard anything otherwise, but I can check. I, I don't know. I'll look um, real
1: quick here. I'll pull it up
2: here. Right? I don't know if they would cut. I mean, I think we talked about, you know, Loudermoke or for Uh, Yes, Wormley still yeah. on the practice squad right now. Uh, I don't know if they're. I don't know. I mean, maybe they could sign Wormley off off the fifty three, but I I don't know if they have a good feeling of his uh, health or status right now.
1: Well, here's the thing: when 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 Hayward gets activated, that's going to take one spot that we talked about either louder milk or uh, or 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 uh, Fajoco. Mm-hmm. If you went out there and, and absolutely had a guy like Wormley, who who on top of it would you cut the other one? You know, the other
2: one, yeah. Which yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I I can buy that.
1: I just I mean. It, Is it is it a plausible suggestion? Yes. Do I think it's going to happen? No.
2: Fair. That's probably a realistic answer.
1: Uh Nathan Casey. Why don't they make a special jumbo package with Broderick Jones as a second tight end? He's an athletic run blocker, would definitely help against five-man D-line fronts and in short yardage. Also, why don't they look to look at him more if Chooks is struggling to start at the, on the right side? The kid is talented, and even mistakes now will pay dividends more in the future uh, than Chuck Chooks, who uh, might not even be on the roster next year. My guess is the start tackle combo, he says, for the Steelers next year is Jones at left tackle, Dan Moore at right tackle. But I would settle for the reverse of that now to get the most talented upside uh, out there this season. Uh, I'll answer the first part uh, uh, first. Could could they stand to get Broderick Jones uh, on the field as an extra lineman for, for three or four snaps a game? Yes.
2: Why do you Sports. think they haven't?
1: Um, uh, that's a good question. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I think there's probably some chances they could have done it and haven't done it. I mean, there is, you know, obviously you lose an eligible, but it's not like Tarno Washington is catching a lot of passes. So, right. and obviously you can have both those guys out there. Um, I, I like to see it occasionally.
1: Even if it screams run, I would say, throw, throw them out there for, for a handful of eligible snaps.
2: Sure. So I think it's a fair point. I mean, Pittsburgh has sort of teased the idea from time to time, but we have not actually seen it. So I don't know how much they're repping it and those types of things. Um, they've obviously, you know, had some injuries there to more, which maybe you know messed up their plans a little bit. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it once or twice.
1: Look, anything to to to, to help this run game, you know. And once mm-hmm. again, you know, by by putting them in there, you're 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 screaming that you're going to probably run the football, but why not try it three or four times?
2: Yeah, I'm with it. Um, In terms of the future, I mean, I'm good with a core for at right tackle. He's getting paid. I mean, he's not been great, but he's not been a, a liability or anything that's, that screams this guy has to be benched. And, you know, Jones has limited work at, at right tackle, you know, in game, that type of stuff. So I'm not expecting Jones to, to replace a core for this year at right tackle next year. You know, how's it going to go? I, I'm really not sure. haven't thought about that next year configuration too much.
1: Uh, one last one, Mark Urbaniak. Ur- 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 uh, hi, David Knox. Uh, sorry if I mispronounce your name, Mark. Uh, keep up the great work. You guys keep getting better. I noticed that there are no buys this week. There are also no buys in week 12. He says, I never remember this happening. I was wondering if you heard of a good reason why. I think they are planning something uh, tinfoil hat. Uh, he says it seems to give an advantage to all the teams that still have to take their buys by pushing them back one or two weeks. Baltimore has theirs after both weeks of no buys, which is week 13, seven weeks uh, after ours. I have the last five years of buys below wide do they have two teams off one week, four teams, others, and six teams off two is there a reason to not having eight weeks. Ooh. Uh, Mark, you've done a lot more research on this <laughs> than, uh, than I have. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like I know the answer to this. And I don't know if I would have, uh, this would have jumped out to me. Uh, had you not brought this up. So good research. Uh, I'll t- I'll take uh, what you have I- in the email here as gospel. Uh, I don't know the rhyme and reasoning behind this.
2: I don't either. I don't know if the 17 game schedule is messing something up. Maybe it is. Maybe it is not. I really don't know there. Uh, the other thing I can only offer is that just because I've seen the commercial a thousand times is isn't the schedule not basically computer generated by whatever that is, Amazon Power Technology, whatever the, the, the ad placement I, I think is. His,
1: I think his main takeaway here, though, is that this is the first time that uh, no buys for teams in week eight and week 12.
2: Right. But, I mean, that, that just going off of, okay, how is the schedule created? And I think it's now done basically with a computer and an algorithm as opposed to, I think, it used to be basically manually made by an entire team of staffers and would take forever to do so. I guess it's just a quirk of the schedule. I I mean, again, that's just in terms of how they make the whole thing, and maybe that's just the way it was. You know, the best way to to make it. I really don't have an explanation for it, other than to say the with it kind of being in a computer more than it's being made by people. That that's just kind of what it it ended up spitting out.
1: Mark, if I had seen your question ahead of time, I would have maybe tried to Google this, but I and and maybe I will uh, here over the weekend or whatnot. But uh, I don't have. Uh, I don't have a great. I don't have any answer for you why it, it it's it's worked out this way.
2: I don't view it as a conspiracy though. I just think it's a it's one of the many quirks of the NFL schedule.
1: Uh, look, we try to we try to learn and know as much about all of this as we can. Uh, we we uh, some of the, you know some of this stuff. We, we can't know everything, and and we have no uh, issue at telling you, uh, listeners, that, that sometimes you know, we don't know. And <laughs> I, I, I I'll Google this, and if I come across anything, maybe we'll highlight it in 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 in, in the Monday show. There.
2: All right, sounds good, Dave.
1: All right, Uh, I think we got through most of them there. We're running a little bit long as usual but uh, shout out to Demetrius Harvey uh, for jumping on with us uh, covering the Jaguars and all. Make sure you shout him out on Twitter Uh, until Monday. Let's hope uh, that Alex and I are both very, very wrong again with our picks and predictions. However it turns out on Sunday against the Jaguars we'll be back on Monday to talk about it. You can follow me on x slash Twitter uh, at Steiner's Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora, Follow the show at terrible podcast email the show the terrible podcast at gmail.com if you like what we do and want to donate to the cause steelersdepot.com hit the donate button uh, also if you'd like an ad-free version of the site steelersdepot.com uh, and find the ad-free button and and do uh, go that route if you will so uh great show alex enjoyed it uh we'll be back on monday and as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with dave and alex